connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too, realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter, at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. This is Zach Howard, and you're listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic-Con 2018 and beyond, and a proud member of the Denver Podcasting Network. We are Denver's premier movie reviewing podcast. Yeah. I am Ryan. With me always is, except last week, James and Zach and Brad. And through the magic of Google machine, Henry from hey, I'm back. New York. What's up, buddy? Yeah, you're like a uh, robot. Nothing. Uh, just... Just hanging out in sunny old New York, the Big Apple, pursuing my dreams of being an artist. I thought your dream was growing your hair really long in the back. Holy shit. Yeah, it's getting long. <laughs> what it made you good. decide you're going to grow your hair long? Uh, well, I did it for uh, finals week last year. Mm. Uh, and so I've just been going it ever since. I'm shaving it all in December, but I'm just, I decide I, I'm too far along to just get rid of it. So I like, might as well just end it on December and have a New Year's thing. Like completely bald? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I'm doing skinhead. Yeah. Are you really? Yeah. That'll be, don't I'll go look. over I'm, great well, it's, like, it's one of those haircuts I should probably do at some point, so might as well do it now. <laughs> Are you auditioning for American X2? Uh, if they're doing, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, yeah. white nationalism's really in right now, so why not? <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean American History X2, uh, the, return, the return of Xander Cage? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too extreme. Yeah. That's a great crossover. American History Triple X. The Return of Xander Cage. No, it's American History X2. Uh, X. Oh, American X. United. <laughs> <laughs> American History United. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's not what you think. It's actually about the merger of American Airlines and United Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> it's that backroom dealing is. called American History yeah. XXX. <laughs> There's lots of fucking in that one. Cool. Anyways, on Real Nerds Podcast, every week we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. Except this week. This week we are doing another film explosion because all the movies are bad. I don't know if bad. We just didn't want to see any. We yeah. didn't want to see Firefighter Josh Brolin. I kind of want to see that movie where um, those actors don't fight wolves after they get they crash a plane in the mountains. Uh, you oh. know, the one that looks exactly like the gray but without wolves. The mountain between us. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the one that's a love story? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a love oh. story. <laughs> Shit. Between they only man have and six wolf. hours to fall in love or else they'll freeze to death. <laughs> I was and get fucked by wolves. <laughs> I, was, oh, I was really hoping like Ryan it, knows what it's like to be fucked by a wolf. I have. Log on to Real Nerds Podcast and see the trailer for Never Cry Wolf. <laughs> I was really hoping it was gonna end up being like, you know, the edge or something where you found out that Kate Winslet like killed his son or something, and then they had to fight Grizzlies? Yes. Yes. Yeah. In like a steaming pool of like, so it's in a hot spring, but it's snow. 
But when they're fighting, the steam's coming off the pool. Yeah. Something like that. And then there's like a there's a big grizzly bear named like Chocolate or something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. And it eats the guy. And he's like, this fucking hat is so important to this expedition. And he goes, Chocolate. No! Yeah. Look at this bee. It's dead. Oh, no, it's not. This is from a movie called Grizzly Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a crazy pants. He got eaten by a bear. It was I was going to say, in the climactic scene, they just cut to black and you just hear the sounds of the guy getting eaten? No, you just hear Werner Herzog be a dick and <laughs> delete the tape. You should not listen to this movie. No one should listen to this. <laughs> this is going to be the elephants in the room. Because <laughs> you know, all Germans want to do is delete stuff from history. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Take so, that, Fitzcarraldo guy. <laughs> that was good. Uh, today on Real Nerds Podcast, we're going to go back in time for the last time this year in our last retro film explosion yeah. for the year 2007, which was a hell of a good year for movies. It was. Mm-hmm. Okay, you guys I, doing I can't wait for Morbid to show up on someone's list. Oh, it's on mine. <laughs> Have you seen that poster? Comedy gold. Yeah. Way to spoil my number one. (laughs) In 2007, Uh, I was not being awesome. I don't know. I don't remember. I was in college. I think you're still working at the Outback. Uh, Probably, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a major that year. He graduated and still doesn't have one. (laughs) Aww. Um, I was 10. You fucker. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was a sophomore going into junior year, and this was easily my favorite year of film ever. Oh, my God. He's going to talk forever about shit movies. <laughs> <laughs> he really is. I already know what they are. And they're not good. <laughs> this is the year I started paying more attention to uh, indie films and, like, art house films. Oh, fuck. This is going to be long film explosion. You were late. <laughs> it was also the year I started working at the movie theater, so, like... I went to see everything, like, two, three movies a week, so, because oh, it was yeah. free, so. I do remember I was such a pathetic loser back then, I would go to movies by myself constantly. Wait, you what? were a pathetic No, that's loser not terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know. I, I find that hard to believe. It is. It was a while until I started going to movies by myself. It's totally fine. You, like, no, I like it now, yeah, because it's t- I don't yeah. deal with my wife, but. <laughs> I've done yeah. it. You are a pathetic loser. If you, <laughs> if you do that. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, you're not. It's great. I saw Mud Alone. Were you the only one in the theater? Yeah. In I was the only one in the theater when I saw um, Kira Knightley get naked in a movie. The jacket? No, it was... Uh, the Fassbender one? Uh, the Domino? Michael Fassbender one. Uh, uh, Imitate? Dangerous Game? That's Imitation Game in that... That's <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. What was that? Yeah. What? Dangerous Method. There you go. Oh, oh Dangerous Method. The, yeah. It comes to me eventually. There you go. With, yeah. with Vigo. Yeah, it's, it's an all right movie. Vigo I never saw that movie, yeah. Yep. You don't David, need to. It's David Cronenberg. All of the movies that I just listed as the times I've seen her get naked, all terrible films. Is Dangerous Method good? It's all right. Okay. There might be a, there might be a pattern there. Maybe we shouldn't see her naked. Just saying. We should. It just shouldn't be in shitty movies. Okay. It's not one of our films this year, a film from this year alone. Like, I was the only one in the theater, but we'll get to it. Oh, from 2017. I thought you yeah, got from, from 2017. Oh, oh, from 2017? No, I've always had an audience this year. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, if even if it's just one person. Well, wait, no. Were we the only ones in good time, Henry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. so what we're going to do is we're going to count down our 10 favorite films from the year. I'm going to start with Zach, then Henry. Right? 
Yep, that's what I wanted. All right. <laughs> and then... Um, Do you feel like you're being set up, Zach? I, I don't know. Like, is it like this is your life or is it like punked? I don't know. <laughs> it's a wonderful I, life, it's Zach. definitely <laughs> like punked. <laughs> I'm on a change. Um, no, I'm excited for whatever Henry has in store here. <laughs> cool. And then we'll just go from there. So, Zach. All right. So, uh, number 10, we're starting off. Um, with a film that a lot of people waited a long ass time for, and when we finally got it, it was, it was, it, I guess, a big deal. Um, but my number ten is the Simpsons movie. 20th Century Fox presents <gasps> the greatest Simpsons family adventure of all time. to use a bug zapper to catch the fish. I think I have a nibble. On July 27th. President Schwarzenegger. That is me. Springfield has reached crisis levels. I've narrowed your choices down to five unthinkable options. I was elected to lead, not to read. When disaster threatens our world... They're going to destroy Springfield! One family will show everyone what they're made of. This is the worst day of my life. It's the worst day of your life so far. Now... I declare a state of emergency. Time... Dad, do something! This book doesn't have any answers! Is... What? Thomas! Running out. Did I save the day? Actually, you doomed us all. Go! No! Spider pig, spider pig, does whatever a spider pig does. The Simpsons movie. Look out, he is a spider pig. Um, oh, yeah. I remember we went to, I went to San Diego Comic-Con a shit ton during high school. So oh, like, why don't you brag about it some more? <laughs> no, no. There, this is the reason why it was like an it was an amazing time because when we went there, the movie was premiering, um, like in theaters across the country. So we went to the midnight. Um, it was so sold out at that theater that we that they had to thread the film across from one auditorium to another auditorium that was like back to back. Oh yeah, so that they could. Um, sell more show times so we didn't get to see the end credits and whatnot or oh, the wow. visuals of it um it would just play the audio um but it was it was it was a packed experience it was amazing and then right after the the following days after the simpsons movie held their panel at comic-con and showed a deleted scene from the movie um which was uh homer hitching a ride in a sausage truck um and um when the sausage gu- truck guy goes to check his inventory, he finds out that Homer's eaten the entire truck. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they took it out for a reason. It's kind of funny, but but the movie itself, it's great. Um, it, it's better than it deserves to be because I, I agree. I think the Simpsons at that time were in a really big lull, and I think they needed a movie like that to kind of rejuvenate the the brand mm-hmm. because while the Simpsons, I think, is always a good show, mm-hmm. sometimes it suffered from just. It's golden years having, behind it. Having made every episode yeah. and told every possible story. Yeah, and um, th- I think part of the reason this one is as strong as it is is because you bring back a lot of writers that had at this time left. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Maxton Graham, 
um, uh, Dave Silverman came in and did some stuff. He also directed the movie, but he also contributed to the writing. Uh, John Swartzwelder being involved in this movie is a big plus because he is, without a doubt, one of the best writers that show ever had. Um, Conan O'Brien didn't, but he wanted to, but I don't know why it didn't happen. Um, and uh, it... It was fun. It was just a fun experience as being a long time Simpsons, Simpsons fan from like childhood to that point was like it was a big deal. I went multiple times to the theater to watch it. And then, uh, you know, working in the movie theater at that point, like I get to clean up the theater so I get to hear the soundtrack constantly. I think it's my favorite Hans Zimmer soundtrack next to maybe The Dark Knight because um, it's it takes the spirit of what Alf Clausen does on the show and kind of like amps it up to 10 um so and uh i i think albert brooks is still one of the funniest fuckers on the planet and his performance as russ cargill the head of the epa is absolutely awesome um he has the great moment where he's trying to tell a guy like how many people he wants in his uh lineup of tough guys and he wants and this is how i want them tough small tough soft (laughs) tough tough soft tough and his uh associate goes sir i think you've gone mad with power and Russ Cargill goes, of course I have. Haven't you tried going mad without power? It's boring. No one listens to you. <laughs> <laughs> and also President Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. I miss Danny DeVito. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's my number 10, the Simpsons movie. Cool. That's a good one. Cool. Henry? Uh, my number 10, I'll try to keep short because uh, it's one that I don't think you all care about. Uh, my number 10 is probably my the most interesting biopic I've ever seen. Uh, my number 10 is I'm Not There. People are always talking about freedom. Freedom to live a certain way. Of course, the more you live a certain way, the less it feels like freedom. Me? I can change during the course of a day. I wake and I'm one person, and when I go to sleep, I know for certain I'm somebody else. You just want me to say what you want me to say. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine. Through the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you. People call, say it be. All they want from me is finger point socks. I only got ten fingers. I'm kidding you. It's not about me anymore, it's all about him. How does it feel? That's nature's will, and I'm against nature. How does it feel? I could have swore you was an older man. Well, he used to be much older. <laughs> What's with all this? Doomsday, hocus pocus. Yes, chaos, clocks, watermelons, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. This is a good film. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one. Uh, so yeah, I'm Not There is a biopic on Bob Dylan. And what makes it interesting is that Bob Dylan is played by six different people, including Kate Blanchett, Richard Gere, uh, 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 in a t- weird turn of events, a small black child. Um, and it's just, it's just a very interesting film that I think, uh, when I think biopics, it's definitely one of the most interesting ones I've seen probably ever. So uh, but yeah. Uh, there's not really a lot to say about it. Just that if you want to see an interesting biopic, I think this is one that I would check out. So, 
Kate Blanchett is amazing. No, she's, she's really amazing. Good. I think she was nominated for it, which yeah. she deserves to be. So yeah, I think I could be in it. Hi, I'm Brian Dillon. Here's my number one song. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, good yeah. job. Good job. Uh, no, when no, they make I'm Not There too, they'll call you. So you can hip, Bob Dylan hip, invented it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Every once in a while. Yeah. I'm just saying, Ryan that, Frost. That's all you have to say, Henry? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that was short and sweet. Ryan Frost. Yeah, and, I, none of you really care, so why should I make it longer? So. I, 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 no, I do I'm not, care. That a good one. Yeah. Brad? I got I, the, my number nine I like more, so. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why it's higher than ten, Henry. Because. Thank you for counting with me. You're my, you're my hero, Brad. I'm going to let you choose who goes next. Oh. <laughs> me, of course. Perfect. <laughs> Brad, your number ten? My number ten is TMNT. There's a legendary group of warriors that travels under the cover of darkness and fights for all those in need. But they have never been needed more than right now. Did you see that up there? I've got a bad feeling. Between two worlds. Every 3,000 years, the stars align, unleashing an army of monsters. That can't be good. Beyond our universe. Within hours, we'll lose the city, and within weeks, the world. There's a brotherhood. Attack is one! That cannot be broken. Destroy them. Aren't you cute? You want a butt-kicking little fella? Hey! plate of that thing that hit us last night it looked like your mom dude <laughs> yeah that would make her your mom too <laughs> yeah. doofus nuts yes this was fun wow i'm surprised this is so low i really like this movie yeah well i mean it's cool i thought you loved the turtles I do love the turtles but i like the live action version of the turtles a lot more as, uh, when they're fighting the foot clan and shredder um this one, they're fighting Patrick Stewart, who's like a mega CEO, and he wants to revive a bunch of weird monsters. And really, the main reason to watch this movie is just uh, the rooftop scene between oh, Leo and Raph. Yes. And, uh, so good. Yeah. Uh, the animation is pretty good. Um, the whole fight scene on the rooftop is pretty special because Peter Laird, the co-creator, one of his mandates was that the turtles should never fight each other in the franchise. Hmm. And somehow they got him to kind of relax that a bit. Cause at the, also at this time, Peter Laird was in control of the property. Um, now, um, uh, Kevin Eastman. Well, no, Kevin Eastman, neither of them own it anymore. It belongs to, uh, not parent. Is it paramount? It'd be paramount. Cause Nick's doing the series right mm-hmm. now. No, oh, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon owns the property. So yeah, paramount is part of Viacom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So once Nickelodeon bought it, uh, but that was this movie came out before that thing, and Peter Laird was in the c- control of the property, so he had a lot of say over how the movie turned out. And um, yeah, now like Kevin Eastman answers to, 
Nickelodeon about his own thing. Um, also, uh, one of many films this year where Kevin Smith has an acting role in it. Yeah, Kevin Smith has a quick little voice cameo in it. And, uh, yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar is the voice of April. Yeah. Um, who else? Yeah, there's the big name. Yeah, I, uh, it's not on my list, but I love that scene. It's mm. one of my most favorite scenes ever. And uh, Ryan Frost, fun fact, that's the first Blu-ray I've ever purchased. Really? Wow. Yeah. Man, not a bad pick. Yeah, that's cool. Is that why they never made an animated series out of it? Because Nickelodeon like bought it. Because I always, I was always kind of disappointed that they didn't take that same animation style and just make a show out of it. No, I thought they it was didn't so cool. do it because it didn't do well. Well, that's right. <laughs> um, and then imagine, imagine they did Astro Boy, and then that studio folded. So, oh, um, it was good. It was yeah. fun seeing it in the theater. It was, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I regret. I think I only got to was able to see it once in the theater at the mm. time. So, I have to check my stubs. Yeah, it's it's cool. Just it's for the rooftop scene alone. Oh yeah, totally worth it. Yeah. That was the thing that I liked about it was that like, I think that movie makes those characters like, it gives them some depth. That yeah, I would agree. Like the villains in there are kind of weak because you're just like ah, oh, they're fighting funny monster things. But the the characters in that one to me are are a lot more interesting than they are. In and you, and you can kind of see it as a continuation of the other three movies, which is why they package mm-hmm. it with the other three all the time, even though it's not live action. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the storyline just it does build off of the, kind of like what those two established. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, James, do you want me to go or you go? Uh, I can go. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, I'll go. Um, being my, very democratic today. Uh, my never. You are. Why are you being so nice? It's yeah, weird. Go Some, something's gonna happen. You're gonna do something. Um, my number ten. Uh, you know, I usually reserve my number ten for something of a ringer. Uh, in this case, it's a. Uh, a documentary that was certainly a big deal at the time, and I, I don't necessarily look back at it as like the most inter- interesting documentary, but it was it was something a lot of people talked about a lot that year, and was certainly you know a whole lot of fun to see. Um, my number ten is the King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. I play video games. It's a constant drive to be the best at something. I said I'm like the Wayne Gretzky of video games. The fact of the matter is, Bill is the best classic arcade gamer of our era. Steve is, he's so focused on being the best at what he does. And he will not stop until it's absolutely perfect. The average gamer in Donkey Kong will never get past the third elevator stage. Very difficult. It's a hard, hard game. So why should I pursue playing a piece of crap that's difficult? Maybe the level of difficulty is one of the things that appealed to me. There's a guy named Steve Wibby, or Wib, it's W-I-E-B-E. So he he took two he took two of Billy's titles like right away from him. And I don't mean to sound, you know, crude or anything, but he did. He did officially he did. Not a one of the scores that is there intimidates me because they won't give me my rep my videotaped record. The videotape is not proof, the videotape is history. I don't know if he's playing mind games. Well Billy Mitchell always has a plan. 
Well, maybe they'd like it if I lose. I gotta try losing sometime. Good choice. Shows up later on my list. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it was, was going to be really, my number ten. I, sorry, say again. It was going to be my number ten, but something replaced it. Oh okay. What? What was? You, never mind. Uh, I'm not here. I guess. <laughs> no, so I put something in as like my number seven. Oh okay. So, it's coming up later. Don't worry. <laughs> um, my uh, yeah. So this was a a or is a a really cool documentary about uh, this guy who wants to. Uh, he, he's somewhat autistic and, and uh, becomes really good at Donkey Kong Jr. and wants to get the new um, uh, high score. High score, um, And it's just all this drama about, you know, the, the league where all of these scores are being measured and, like, the guy who has it who is this... The weird guy who like it's all it's like Billy Mitchell. Yeah, it's kind of exactly like meeting like that that football star who was like big in high school and that was his peak and then he just still lives in that place only reverse like it's the nerd version of that. He also makes hot sauce. He like does. you notice like in the documentary he's always like around a bunch of hot sauce. Yeah. Doesn't he wear a lot of like um, like uh has a mullet American shirts and stuff like that? Like he, I remember him being anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fascinating. The characters are really like bizarre in such a way that you would kind of expect them to be written, but they're not. Um, and then you know, just the the back and forth that year surrounding this documentary about Steve Wiebe versus Billy Mitchell, and then of course even after the documentary came out, like they went back and forth, and now it's like you know the the top like three high scores are all from some other you know, dude, some some dude from like South Korea or something like that. Um, but uh, anyway, it, it's a fascinating documentary that's totally worth checking out and, and extremely bizarre and unique. So uh, one that I, I certainly remember highly from that year. So that's my number 10. Uh, so I always preface my film explosion, if this is your film's first film explosion with me, is there might be better films that year, oh, but yeah. mine are always films I've watched the most or I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number ten film is Transformers. Oh my gosh! That came out that year. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I just skip by it when I see that shitty like font. Um, <laughs> hey, the font's great. We might see <laughs> Wait, it later. Which Who one knows? Is three. Oh, cool. yeah. Ooh. Um, so my number ten is Resident Evil Extinction. <gasps> Take a sample of her blood, then get rid of that. These clones are not working. The original Alice is the key. Find her, and we can return to the surface. Sorry about this, Stevie. It really is the end of the world. What happened to it? Because you must have taken it back. We lost half of the convoy. Pretty soon there'll be more of us dead than alive. Okay, spread out. Look for anything of use. Gas, food, ammo. You know the drill. What's going on? Since eating on infected flesh. My senses have detected Alice. Her 
powers appear to have grown at a geometric rate. I can have a strike team ready within the hour. Everyone is scared. Good thing we like a challenge. Make sure she's dead. I'm coming for you. Shut her down. Oh. We fought the infection. We survived the apocalypse. And now, we face extinction. Yeah, so it's uh, the third part in the Resident Evil series. It takes place in Las Vegas. Um, it's really cool. Uh, there's some really kick-ass scenes where she fights like killer crows, and she's fighting zombies in the wasteland that used to be Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, and she also gets shut down by a satellite. I don't know. Um, but there's some really cool fight scenes, too, when she's like underground. Um Underground in a <laughs> Paul W. Sanderson movie? How I know, weird. right? But I do, actually, he did not direct that one. He might. I don't even think he really? wrote that really? one. Really? I think he produced that one. I think he just produced that one. Is I think that that's why probably it's the why, best probably. one. Because it's kind of like it's... Mad Max Resident Evil. She's, yeah. she's going across the desert trying to get to Do you think there's a the coast. scenario we can connect Blade Runner 2049 to Resident Evil Extinction? Oh, I hope. Because <sighs> it's Las That'd Vegas. Be, well, and they're both Sony the products. And they're both oh, Sony. Man. Oh, shit. I think we have a universe here, we guys. Do. Does, does Atari ever show up in Resident Evil? It better. <laughs> but no, it's just like, it's a really fun movie. And, it you know, the Resident Evil movies, you can take them or leave them or whatever. But uh, I actually have really fun. I really like this one. And it's just her uh, kicking ass in it. And I that's about it. I'm so glad you got this on your list. Because <laughs> I adore that movie. And it really, it's the best Resident Evil film, I think, without a question. Yeah. Because um, it's it just Even, like, so beyond, dunched. like, just the whole idea of it being just, like, a good... It, it's just, in general, a good film. It's not, like, a good Resident Evil film. It's, like... I genuinely consider it to be, like, the best of all of them. And that's saying something, because I'm not really a fan of those films. So. Yeah. It, it is both ridiculous and moves fast enough that yeah. like you can have a good time because it still has those scenes where like all of a sudden her eyes can control satellites you know yeah. like, what the fuck is happening and that's that's i always call that the paul ws anderson effect it's like he has these ideas that are never like fully developed yeah they're just cool yeah like i i swear he sits around and well i, I mean okay. half of the time they're cool so, i swear it's he sits around with his wife mila hovovich and he's like you know i think in this one um i don't control satellites with your eyes <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds great. Am I still in the movie? Yes. Great. It's a great idea, Paul. Um, what if there was a whole basement full of millions of you? What if at the end of the movie yes. we find out you're an army? Millions of me? Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. And you know, then you'll kind of be naked, and everyone's like, "Oh, I saw me naked again," and I'm like, "Oh, great, that'd be awesome." Yeah. And um, and then they'll like, oh, remember when she was naked in Fifth Element? Uh, yeah. And then we'll make it like a hard rock album, and you'll just kick zombies in the face. What if this time we do that same action scene but backwards? Ooh, that is a great opening. That's a great opening, man. That franchise, like I said, that real that, up and down. That, that film, that film franchise has so many great ideas. Like even in the last one, I love the idea of someone being dragged by a huge tank and zombies chasing them, mm -hmm. and they use them as a weapon. I love that idea. Great. Almost pulls it off. Yeah. Almost pulls it off. 
Um, Unfortunately, you, it's you, surrated by the rest of that movie. But it, it, that's I think uh, if you watch all of uh, Paul W. Anderson's films, he oh, I think he actually he makes films look really cool. But he always has I, I call it the music video thing where it's basically a setup to a setup. Like they'll be in one room and they'll fight this monster, and then they go into another room with no real rhyme or reason. It's like, well, let's put another cool looking monster in here, and uh, uh, in the next one, Afterlife, where uh, the Ugh. the executioner just comes through this the showers and starts fighting. It yeah. looks awesome, but it has it makes no sense at all. Right, and I think that's what he does. He's like, eh, it'll look cool. That's what I'm going to do. But yeah, Extinction's really fun, though. You recently gave me all of them. I have to sit down and <laughs> yeah. just marathon them at this point. So. Yeah. Uh, that, that was my first Ultra HD purchase was Resident was Evil really? Final Chapter. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Uh, or maybe it was King Kong, Skull Island. Whatever one came we out just, first. Can we just say it's Resident Evil because I like that more? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't really take advantage of the 4K, guys. It's no. a really dark movie. The really? blacks look really great. Yeah, I bet Afterlife, those underwater mud sequences, <laughs> I bet those look great in 4K. <laughs> Oh, Resident Evil, the twister of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies have been out for like 15 years, I think, that franchise has been going. Mm-hmm. I think oh, the first yeah. one was... Oh, no. 2002. 17. Yeah. Was it 2002 or was it 2001? 2002. Man. Yep. We should make a cake and celebrate. Wait, maybe it was yeah. 2001. I don't know. I just know... Can we do a film explosion of just Resident Evil films? Yes. <laughs> There's not ten of them, so it's gonna yeah. be very short. Yeah, it's only six. Not yet. We'll do it. We'll do a critical. Uh, you know, you're in film school. Do a yeah. critical study of the Resident Evil films. I'm on it. Don't worry. Thank you, Zach. Your number nine. My number nine is a film that I went into begrudgingly because my sister and my uh, cousins wanted to see it, and I walked out a bigger fan of it than they were. Uh, my number nine is Hairspray. It was a time of tradition. A time of values. A time. People who are different, their time is coming. To shake things up. Not in Baltimore, it isn't. Hurry up, Penny, we're missing you. Yes, Starla. Holly. Noreen. Doreen. And I'm late. So And I'm Motormouth Mayville, pitching rhythm your way. Dancing on that show is my dream. <laughs> Want to be one of the nicest kids in town? Cut school tomorrow and come audition. No one in this house is auditioning for anything. But Mom! Uh, Amber? Save your personal life for the camera, sweetie. Oh, shiny. <laughs> Go on, get out there and show up. Council member, Miss Tracy Turnblad. First the hair, now this. Tracy certainly has redefined our standards. That's for sure. <laughs> when you follow your own beat. If we get any more white people in here, this is going to be a suburb. The world will follow you. I think no one uses the start of a pretty big adventure. Oh, 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 you can't stop today. As it comes speeding down the track. Child, yes. Oh, my God. 
is America. You gotta think big to be big. Big ain't the problem in this family, Wilbur. That, really? That, that, that's yep. cricket you hear. Wow. I'm I'm very surprised. Cool. Um, Explain. I haven't seen it. So I walked into the movie. I, I was taking them to, to basically, like, I was getting paid to babysit, essentially. So I was like, well, I'll take them to a movie. They like Zac Efron, yada, yada, yada. And I walked out going like, what the fuck did I just watch? Is this actually something very smart? I did not know who John Waters was at that point. Now, he didn't direct this one. It's Adam Shankman, the guy who did... Um, Bedtime stories, Rock of Ages, and stuff like that in film. Hmm. Um, but uh, which I like bedtime stories. I think it's a fun Adam Sandler film. Yeah. But um, he, it, so the film. If you don't know what Hairspray is about, it's it's about um, a girl who wants to dance on the Corny Collins show in the '60s, um, and it and in the process becomes a story about uh, the civil rights movement. Um, in a, and I actually think a very mature way for the audience it's targeting. Um, Nikki Blonsky, who plays Tracy Turnblad in the film, is great. I think she's wonderful. She's I, I, I feel like I can like I, I I can definitely like relate to her and like follow her journey and f- feel like feel for her at every point in turn. This is the film that made me think Efron had abilities beyond the Disney Channel set because of um a specific scene where um he's uh hugging a photo of Tracy um, cause he's pining for her and like he starts gyrating around with it in a Tommy Wiseau kind of way, which is really, which is just funny as shit. Um, Travolta's really good in the film. He's no divine, but he's really good. Hmm. Uh, Christopher Walken's great in the film. Um, uh, and I think like the, the, the music's so good. It was, the book was written, co-written by Thomas Meehan, who did the producers on Broadway and unfortunately recently passed away this year. Hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, because of this film, I then did research, found out, like, well, it's a remake of an 88 film. This is the director, John Waters, and it's begun a lifelong love affair. I fucking love John Waters as a writer. Um, I think as a director, while his films aren't the cleanest looking, he's definitely, like, got ideas that he likes to shoot out into the universe. And some of them click, some of them don't. But he's definitely a very fascinating guy to uh, read about and read what he has to say on stuff. Um, and it's a catchy movie. It it's it's comfort food, and mm. I really enjoy it. So yeah, if you haven't seen the 2007 version of Hairspray, check it out. Fascinating, Henry. Uh, my number nine uh, is a comedy that I really like. That apparently a lot of people, other people didn't, were not big fans of. Uh, my number nine is Blades of Glory. The passion. The power. The world of competitive figure skating. You're welcome, Stocko. Jazz Michael Michaels is definitely shaking things up. That was disgusting. That young man is how babies are made. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a tie. Sick, you smell like aftershave and taco meat. Yes, I do. to be stripped of your medals what? and banned from men's figure skating no. for the remainder of your lives. Now, two rivals. Michaels. McElroy. I see you got fat. I see you still look like a 15-year-old girl, but not hot. Will join forces. What do you guys have that none of the other teams have? Matching junk? Exactly. 
two men skating together. And in our division, no less. Those two are nothing but a couple of freaks. Do you mm. mind trying to eat here? <sighs> Just thought you'd like to see what a skater's body really looks like. Hmm? Chaz Michaels and Jimmy McElroy are figure skating. Boom! <laughs> that was his fault. You two are the last pieces of the puzzle. Will Ferrell. John Heater. The first male pair in the history of the sport. How is this going to work? Blades of Glory. So, Coach, I was thinking about the music for our routine. We're going to skate to one song, one song only. I'm going to get you, get you drunk. Get you drunk off my lady hump. My hump. My hump. My lovely lady hump. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. No, it's not. It's it gets gross. the people going. Dude, that movie's fucking hilarious. Yeah, like. I, I love Chaz Michael Michael. No, I love it. It's like everyone always said, like, one of Will Ferrell's worst uh, comedies. But I still, it's one of my favorites of his. Uh I, I mean, spoiler alert, the scene when you watch that footage of someone getting their head cut off. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, it's one of my favorite comedy scenes of all time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Blades of Glory is about uh, these two male figure skaters who both get kicked out, or they're, they're like banned from male figure skating. <laughs> and the yep. only way they can return is if they do uh, doubles figure skating. And so they decide to go be the first male-male couple in figure skating. Uh, and it's hilarious. So, I, I love the ending spoilers for film ten years old, but where they like fly away on sparks yeah. on their like <laughs> ice skates. No like, yeah. what, what's going on here? <laughs> it's just doesn't make any sense, but it's still awesome. Will Arnett and Amy Poehler in that movie are fucking hilarious. Yep. Like this, where they like, play brother and sister who are in a really incesty relationship. Yeah, it's like it's like it's nearing there, but it's PG thirteen, so we can't do too much. <laughs> Uh, it's more fun when it's suggestive because yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, some people call me the tattooed man. <laughs> or was it the, the illustrated man? Yeah. yeah. Illustrated, illustrated, illustrated man. man. He has all these yeah. like, shitty tattoos all over because <laughs> he's the bad boy of skating. <laughs> and and this, the sex addict um, uh, anonymous meeting uh, scene is really funny too. Um, but yeah, it's a fun film. I remember liking it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's my number nine. It's Brad? Cool. Uh, my number nine is the Darjeeling Limited. I think we have a chance to make this kind of a life-changing experience, and I think we need it. I want us to become brothers again like we used to be. You're the two most important people in the world to me. This is incredible! Why haven't we spoken in a year? Because we don't trust each other. Is that my belt? Can I borrow it? I want us to be completely open and say yes to everything, even if it's shocking and painful. Do you have any questions? I do. Okay, go ahead. What happened to your face? What's going on? I don't know. I guess the train's lost. What do you say? Says the train's lost. How can a train be lost? It's on rails. What's wrong with you? 
think about that. in this place. Well, originally, I guess we came here on a spiritual journey. You don't love me! Yes, I do! I love you too, but I'm gonna mace you in the uh, face! But that didn't really pan out. Ah! I wonder if the three of us could have been friends in real life. Not as brothers, but as people. We are not two, we are one. To be continued. Most people, when you ask them what's their least favorite one, it's this one. Uh, but I don't know why, because it's Wes Anderson doing his normal Wes Anderson stuff. He's got these three brothers who uh, their fathers recently died, and they just kind of go on a soul-searching mission uh, across India. And so you get to see a bunch of Indian culture as you go and uh, break apart the uh, um, underlying feuds between these three people. And uh, it's it's great. It's fun. It's quirky. Um, it's got some heart. It's a good time. It's actually one of my favorites uh, from Wes Anderson. Like I, I, I think that's a really simple movie that does some really good stuff. Um, like I don't know. I, I, I really enjoy that film. He's a fun filmmaker. Yeah. I, I don't think he has a bad movie. <laughs> like mm. you know, you can no. watch them all and be entertained. I think that's a great hallmark of a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. I Henry. think what I think why uh, people don't like this one. Or people like dislike this one more. It's I think it's his most introspective film. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of his other stuff is very like I mean you don't think extrovert when you think Wes Anderson, but a lot of his other stuff is like doing things. Whereas this one is all three characters kind of looking within themselves because it is a very meditation based film. And so I think that's why a lot of people kind of sh- go away from it. But I do think it's I think it's one of his better films and one of his more mature films. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why I like it so much. Is like it's not it's not as much just wacky stuff. It's more about those characters. Um, yeah, I, I adore it. It's great. I will say that I, I wish that Hotel Chevalier wasn't at the beginning because I hate that short and I think it sets completely the wrong tone for the film. Um, you so have the option to watch it without. You that. do, yes, yes. But the first time I watched it on Blu-ray, I didn't do that, and I watched it with my folks. And like the first twenty minutes was this uncomfortable, like, okay, the whole tone has shifted. Um, but it's great. <laughs> I love that movie. Cool. Yep. Brad. That's it. That's it. James, uh, my number nine is going to probably sweep some legs, but this is where this movie goes for me. Um, it's probably a strange pick for me, and maybe not a movie that you know, especially in the world of comedies, like isn't one that has a story. Like it's got a good character story to it, um, but in the end, I pick it here because like I've watched it so many times because it's just so damn funny. Uh, my number nine is Super Bad. Thanks for taking him, Seth. No, no problem. I can't imagine what you're going to do without each other next year. Evan told me you didn't get into Dartmouth. You going to miss each other? No, I don't miss each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cry myself to sleep every night. Me too. When I'm out partying. Go to school, boys. I am truly jealous you got to suck on those tits when you were a baby. Yeah, well, at least you got to suck on your dad's dick. It's a nice looking dick. Yeah. 
I never see you at parties or anything. Saturday was actually a crazy night for me. I had some friends over. Wow. Hung out in my basement and we had a few drinks. Cocktail casual. That sounds like a lot of fun. You would have loved it. So, Seth, you're coming to my party tonight, right? Yeah, why? Should I not come? Can you get us booze? Yeah, I can. Oh, that would be awesome. Plus, you know, you scratch our backs, we'll scratch yours. Well, the funny thing about my back is, is that it's located on my cock. So, do you want alcohol? Do you want some sort of alcohol? My brand new fake ID. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? Doesn't even have a first name, it just says McLovin! This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. Holy shit, they busted Fogel. Can I see your ID? Yeah, I think I have it. McLovin? That's a cool name. Yeah, really cool. What? <laughs> a lot of people have weird names nowadays. I arrested a man lady who is legally named Fuck. I think he was Vietnamese, was with a PH. Tonight is our last party as high school people. You know when you hear girls saying, like, oh, I was so shit-faced last night, I shouldn't have fucked that guy? We could be that mistake! By the time college rolls around, I'll be like the Iron Chef of Pounding Vaj. Engage. <laughs> Hello? Can you hear anything? Evan, can you hear me? Piece of shit. What? Piece of shit fucking phone. Hello? Squirrel bitch slapped me so fucking hard. What? What's it like to have guns? It's like having two cocks. If one of your cocks could kill someone. <laughs> Break yourself, fool! Shit! The, the cops! Bail, bail, bail! Sorry. Um, yeah, I, uh, I love this movie. I think it's really smart. I think it's hilarious. Just not smart enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, just everything above this is better. Um, (laughs) we'll we'll see. (laughs) Uh, do we have a new Zach today? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'll I'll probably just leave this one for other people to talk about later. Well, I mean, why do you like it? Like, I like, it's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't mean, have like, much to say about it, but I put it on the top ten because <laughs> it seemed everybody else would. No, it's one of those movies that like I probably return to at least once a year ever since because it is it's it's really funny and it does have a very mature story to it. Um, you know, I just don't. It, yeah, I don't know. It's it is a really strong comedy. Um, with a lot of very, very memorable moments. I mean, the first time you saw that movie, it was like the funniest thing you'd ever seen. Uh, it was just, it was fantastic. Very smart. So. Yeah, I, uh, I love this movie. Of course, it's higher on my list because, mm-hmm. you know. It's higher on my list, too. Because, uh, because my list is always the best one, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's higher on my list, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just, I, I love the the credits. I love the credits. Because I think they're really fascinating. I, I think it's instant. Everything yeah. in it's really quotable. Uh, I mean, it, it's still a thing where you can say McLovin and everybody knows what you're talking about. I don't think there's a single performance in that film that doesn't work. Oh, yeah. It's all great. And it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I love Joe LaTrulia in that film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry I didn't effing see you. <laughs> <laughs> there's also like the introduction to like a lot of like famous actors now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Jonah, uh, people forget Emma Stone is in this film. Uh, yep. Oh, I don't forget. 
Uh, Dave Franco, this is his first film. Uh, Oh, yeah, the bedwetter. I mean, it's just shocking how many people were in this film and then later went on to be like the main cast of like the Seth Rogen films. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. And um, I have you, you've heard the commentary. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite commentaries of all time. Like at one point, midway, like Seth Rogen and I think Evan are just making fun of Matola and his camera, which was he called it the Genesis two two two. two. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk a little more about this wonderful film later. I'm yeah, sure, just really strong. Yep. So, in the spirit of sweeping people's legs, uh, this is I think this film is where this film belongs, <laughs> and uh, it's also I'm cheating a little bit because it's not one film; it's two. Uh, my number nine film is Grindhouse. It was called The Grindhouse. Theaters that played back-to-back movies featuring uncensored sexuality and hardcore thrills. Now, Tarantino and Rodriguez are bringing The Grindhouse back with two explosive feature films. First, they're stealing biochemical weapons. When the laws of science are broken, the last hope for humanity rests in the hands of a few. Doc Block, his prescription, pain. We're gonna lose the arm, Joe. What do you mean, lose arm? My arm? Dakota, one hot mama who knows the score. If anyone comes to the door, I want you to shoot them. Love his dad. Hello, baby. Especially if it's your dad. El Ray, cross him and it's lights out. And Jerry Darling. I made you something. She tastes like trouble. With an attitude to boot. In Robert Rodriguez, Planet Terror. Then. Buckle up. Because a new kind of terror is coming. At 200 miles per hour. Ladies, we're gonna have some fun. There are a few things. As fetching as a bruised ego on a beautiful angel. Is that cowboy wisdom? I'm not a cowboy, Pam. I'm a stuntman. Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof. This car is 100% death proof. Only to get the benefit of it, honey, you really need to be sitting in my seat. Adrenaline-fueled roller coasters. One ticket to ride. In two and a half hours of pure dynamite. Planet Terror and Death Proof. Only at the Grindhouse. I had a hard time with this choice. Me too. I um didn't. <laughs> Because, it, one, it gets tons of credit for doing something that's unique. It's You're getting four hours of entertainment. For the price of one for ticket. For the price of one ticket. It was released in the wrong time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People didn't understand Planet Terror. No. Um, they really didn't understand uh, Death Proof. Nope. Which I think is absolutely brilliant. Yep. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I think this is Kurt Russell's best performance. Um because uh, stuntman Mike is incredible. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, my my favorite bit from this whole film—spoilers from ten years ago—is after the girls fight back, 
and he pulls up. The he's whiskey? like, I said I was sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think it's awesome. And uh, yeah, everything about this film works. The, you know, the trailers that everybody else made. It just was one of those lightning in a bottle films that I think doesn't get the credit it deserves. I also think there's better films in it than this year. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes the pacing of Planet Terror actually hurt Death Proof. Mm-hmm. I actually would have flipped them. I think Death Proof should have gone first. Um, to get people more into what was happening, yeah, uh, and then Planet Terror is so balls balls to the wall crazy that I don't know. That's my personal opinion, but I, I think I think the movies are really great. I'm so glad that you did Grindhouse because I I'm I chose the other way and just picked one of the films and mm. put it higher because of it. Because to me, see that's yeah. Because to me, it's like well. I really only watch one of those movies a second time, um, but the experience of Grindhouse was so cool and interesting. Um, and I would agree; like most people don't really understand what that thing is. Um, but seeing that uh, in college with my friends and like dedicating f- whatever it was four hours to sitting in the theater and like uh, and having the intermission with the other trailers, which were also brilliant, and of course it births Machete and all you know. Um, it was such a cool special thing that deserves recognition. Like it is so unique that it makes itself better. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those films is way better when cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk a lot more about it later, but <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm not surprised this film failed. <laughs> oh no, no, no. Financially because um, when I saw it in the theater, it was dead as dust and it was opening weekend. And as we went through the entire experience, I realized like, this is some, like you've got to be a film like dork to really enjoy what's going on here. Um, beyond like your nerdy, like grabs and reaches. This is like a history of cinema kind of like pull. So, um, I'll explain a little more about that later, but yeah, I, I love, I love the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Both films to me are perfect, like for mm. what they are. You know? Nope. Nope. <laughs> I, but, but that's, uh, but James, you said, that's why I just put Grindhouse. Uh-huh. If I separated them, Planet Terror wouldn't even be on it. Oh, not, we, not right. that I don't think it's Spoilers, a bad Planet film. Planet Terror is not on my top 10 list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Planet Terror is a bad film. No. I don't know how to. Death Proof is nearly perfect though. <laughs> yes. There we go. Yeah. The the difference is one of those two films has one of the greatest car chases of all time in it. That's the difference. Like that, one of them is a a one of them is a brilliant entry and rejuvenation of its genre in the way that an Edgar Wright film might be, and the mm-hmm. other one is a playful, silly like kind of what you Play would movie. imagine those films w- wanted yeah. to be, right? Like. Like, Planet Terror is what all of those exploitation films wish they could have actually been, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of cool, but not anywhere near as interesting as Death Proof. And also put the cat... I do love Robert Rodriguez as a director. Mm-hmm. I, think yeah. he's, I think he's lots of fun. Mm-hmm. He's just not as good as Desperado. Desperado's a great movie. Um, <laughs> but. The, it's interesting to note, though, when the reviews came out for this film, because I, like, I scoured them all, obviously, and... Like they would divide, they would review the film separately, mm-hmm. and then they would review the experience yeah. as its own thing. And I saw at the time, I saw a lot more love for Planet Terror than Death I agree. Proof. Yes, um, Those and which were wrong. which I was, 
I wasn't I, – I, I didn't think they were wrong, but at the same time, I didn't think they were right either because like, does Death Proof is an, is an amazing film. Planet Terror, they probably made the call that was best at the time because in order to get people into that experience, you kind of had to kick them in the groin with what Planet Terror is because Death Proof is slow. I, mm-hmm. it, 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 it moves at the pace it needs to move, but it can feel slow. It's a 1970s oh, yeah. it's a car it's chase. Yes, it is correct. Yeah. Um, I understand that, but like, if you're trying to sell this to somebody who isn't a film buff, oh. historian, yada, 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 I totally you understand. have to give them machine gun uh, leg Rose McGowan. Yeah. That's the way you, you, you get them to stay. Yeah. So, um, Again, but yeah. I was 10 when this film came out. Uh, did they release it like individually at all, no. or was it no. the, US the Blu-rays? When the Blu-rays came out that year, they released them. I think well, it was DVD sort of at as the a reaction. Well, yeah, the, the DVD. Sorry, when the DVDs came out, I think sort of as a reaction to how poorly it did, they released them separately. I think first as extended yeah. editions mm-hmm. to try and sort of double dip the fans, and then they released Grindhouse later as a as a single set. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a while to get that. Yeah. Though. So, so yeah, but in theaters, they never release them separately. No, in theaters, no. they never release them. Separately. I think foreign. Actually, Death in Proof really got the stick on that one. <laughs> I yeah. think in foreign, they s- release Death Proof separately. Because to, do- to double, to double down it. on on either one of those films would not have with how little money the, that thing made. Because um, it was, but it, like, why would anyone have expected that thing to do extremely well? I like, I, other than the fact that he was coming off of of Kill Bill, but that movie also wasn't sold as a Quentin Tarantino film, really, right? Um, because Kill Bill did really well for for them, yeah. but um, not not uh, not not as well as you. you know, it I, did really well for a for a Quentin Miramax Tarantino film. <laughs> film with a lot of violence in it that yeah. was weird, you know. Um, but this thing is just so bizarre. Anyway, yeah. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Number nine, Ryan House. How's that? Cool. Number eight. My number eight. Um, my placement of this film might be blasphemy. And it might be madness, but this is my number eight. It is 300. We Spartans descended from Hercules himself. Taught never to retreat, never to surrender. Taught that death in the battlefield is the greatest glory he could achieve in his life. Spartans, the finest soldiers the world has ever known. It's quiet now. They came from the blackness. Be afraid! Sparta will burn to the ground! of the Persian Empire descend upon you. What must a king do to save his world? Instead, ask yourself, what should a free man do? Threaten my people with slavery and death. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! We will stand
takes from them! Everything! didn't make my list that's a cool movie um this film is very special to me because my friend in high school sam and i we went to movies all the time even before i started working at the movie theater and this one we were we were pumped for this fucking movie we went opening night at the um uh at the continental 10 before they renovated and made it stadium seating so the experience from where we were sitting watching the film was immersive it felt bigger than it really was, um, and w- and when that DVD came out, we we wore the hell out of it. Um, I think it's a, it's it's a film that is really important for visual style, mm-hmm. for storytelling purposes, and I think Zack Snyder's a really fun filmmaker. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, I mean you're gonna see that speed ramp for the next ten years oh, after yeah. this movie comes comes yeah. out. Like oh, yeah. it's actually kind of important. Yeah, and um, but I mean it is still enjoyable. I love watching yeah. it. Oh, I think no, it's a great. It's, film. it's really cool. No, it's a it's a cool film. Um, I mean Gerard Butler is great. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's the role he was born to play, other than Olympus has fallen guy. <laughs> um, but like yeah, he's great in it, and like I. <laughs> Um, uh, David Wenham's good in it. Um, I mean, just it's got a really good, solid cast. The visuals yeah. are striking. Oh yeah. Um, Hedy. I mean, I I think like it doesn't. It didn't occur to me when we first watched it how dark it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like within its content, like I don't think the whole mountain full of baby skeletons really crossed our heads the first time we saw mm. it but when we saw yep. it again we definitely noticed it there's and baby we... skeletons in it i gotta watch this again oh yeah oh, there's oh, a oh. whole subplot about leaving your children in the woods when they're not strong enough like yeah like yeah or like it's pretty like dark. if they're deformed they get thrown over the hill mm-hmm. at birth or something like that yeah which leads into an important subplot about the mm. the the guy who tr- betrays them because yeah. he wants to be a spartan but it's a really good story Leonidas says no you cannot and I can't do Gerard Butler, um, but um, and I I I think I it's wish awesome. I could do Gerard Butler. I, I think it's. I, <laughs> hey, Geostorm just came out, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I think it's fun. I think it, it's a film. Yeah, and yes, it's it's very important. And it was my introduction to Zack Snyder. I had no idea I, about the Dawn of the Dead remake. See, when, when you're old out. like me, you see Dawn of the Dead. At yeah, midnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so but then because like and then. As this film comes out, then they start talking about Watchmen, and two years later, like Watchmen was like my fucking jam in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Like that was the film I was the most excited for, mm-hmm. um, and I don't regret any minute of that hype. No, me too. <laughs> um, so yeah, too. Um, that's my number eight. Three hundred, uh, good choice. It's also yeah. the introduction to Michael Fassbender to America. So that's right. Well, that's, that's right. right. Michael Fassbender, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and his abs yeah. and his huge <laughs> cock. Well, oh, that yeah. came later. That dick's pretty great. <laughs> anyway, oh. my number eight. Um, uh, uh, Michael Fassbender. I'm a sucker for British romance, so my number eight is a British romance film. My number eight is Atonement. See, yes. Why don't you talk to Robbie anymore? I do. I just move in different circles. That's all. Beautiful day. Are you enjoying your book? No, not really. Fair fielding any day. It's much more passionate. Can 
I tell you something? Something really terrible. Bryony read it. It was a mistake. It was never meant to be read. No. What's this thing you going to do? I don't know. It's been there for weeks. You do know what I'm talking about, don't you? You knew before I did. Why are you crying? Police. You saw him? Yes, I saw him. I know it was him. You know it was him? Or you saw him? Yes, I saw him. I saw him with my own eyes. I wouldn't believe everything Bionet tells you. I love you. Come back. Come back to me. I'll wait for you. Come back. I will return. I will find you. I knew what I did was terrible. I don't expect you to forgive me. Imagine not knowing if you'd ever come back. I'm very, very sorry for the terrible distress that I've caused. Fire! 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 The thing is, you see, I'm expected back, you see. If all we have rests on a few moments in a library three and a half years ago, then I'm not sure. Okay. I don't know. Come back to me. I really wanted to get this on my list, and I, I just couldn't find a place for it. I have still never seen it. It's really good. Explain it's, uh... You need a tone for that, James. Violet! <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, well, yeah, go ahead. Atonement is a uh, romance film between Kira Knightley and James McAvoy, and I'm pretty sure it's World War Two, maybe World War One. Uh, it's World War Two. World War Two, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember really liking it. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, James McAvoy goes off to war, and she doesn't because she's a woman. And then it's like, what are we gonna do? Um, and that's the film. So sorry, sorry that it's really good. good. You should, you should watch. You it. I'm not good at explaining teacher. it, but it's really good. <laughs> Because women. <laughs> well, they weren't allowed to serve. I'm not. I don't have anything no, against I know. them. Abraham Lincoln gets shot. Mary Todd Lincoln doesn't get shot because she's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Henry. Go on. But yeah, uh, I just really like. It. I think. I mean, like I said, I'm a really big fan of romance films in general. I think this is one of the more complicated romance stories uh, to come out. The book is also amazing. If you want to just want a good romance, like classic book, uh, Atonement. It's... The book is really good too. What's complicated no. about it? Does she have a tail? No. <laughs> yeah, because, she does. So Sorosh Ronan is in this um, movie, though, you know, and Sorosh Ronan. Um, sure, sure. Sure, Ronan. Yeah. Yeah, the Brooklyn girl. She's mm. in it, and her character is what makes this whole thing complicated. No, I mean, it's like, it's hard. I, it's one of those films that, like, I didn't know a lot going into it. I just knew that Kieran Knightley was in it and that James McAvoy was in it. Uh, and then I watched it, and it was, and it's one of the things I think it works better if you don't know a lot going in, because it mm. kind of reveals itself along the way as what it's actually trying to be. Uh, and so that's kind of, and I really like those kinds of films where it's like it, it really, by the time the film finishes, it's not what it started as, mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah. why I like it a lot. So, and yeah, I told Anth- Anthony Minghella, uh, director of I think The English Patient. Yeah, um, is uh, it's, I mean English patient sucks, but this one's good. Yeah, <laughs> no, Anthony Anthony Mignola has a role in the film, but oh, right. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. best not to know where. Um, but it the was beginning? directed by Joe Wright, who did Hannah and uh, 
He's now Anna doing Karina, Pride and Prejudice, Pan, the soloist. Yeah, so. And soloist is great. Hannah, Hannah's good. Yep. Chemical Brothers, man. <laughs> I was just going to say. Um, uh, cool. Yeah. Good, good, good for getting this on this list because I didn't think this was going to make it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Atonement. Check it out if you like British romance. I do. <clears throat> do they drink it. tea? I'm Ryan. Me. <laughs> uh, and biscuits, which is commonly known as cookies in America. James, you fucking asshole. Brad? My number eight is a sequel to a film on my 1997 film explosion list. My number eight is Mr. Bean's Holiday. In his first film, he took America by surprise. Oh, but in his new film, the winner of this magnificent holiday is 919. Yes! France will finally get what they deserve. <laughs> Mr. Bean is ready for his dream vacation, but he's having a little trouble <laughs> getting there. Stop! Stop! Now. To reach the beach, he'll have to find his way. Forge new friendships. Impress the locals. I'm bombastic, very fantastic. Don't turn on the boxes as a Mr. Rose. And take Franks in. One bite at a time. <laughs> From Universal Pictures <laughs> This summer Ow! There's no telling where he's going <laughs> But everyone knows Where he's been oh. Rowan Atkinson Mr. Bean's Holiday. Un café? Oui. Du sucre? Non. You speak very good French. Gracias. I know I saw this on here. You know, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I'll save my review for a couple weeks, but after you're like, oh, I really like Mr. Bean, it's on Amazon Prime, I downloaded every single episode and I've watched them. Almost all of them. But not the movies? No, it's like the TV but the show. show. Okay. So I, I've minute. downloaded I gotta wait till next week to... F- okay. Yeah. So you'll see if I liked it or not. Cool. Uh, well, if you liked it, then you'll love Mr. Bean's Holiday because it's the proper movie for that uh, adaptation for that series because he decides he needs to take a vacation and he does this little globetrotting comedy trek across Europe and it's delightful. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, so I don't remember the exact gags. So what's, but the, what's the appeal of Mr. Bean to you? Uh, just, you know, this awkward guy who... You know, he's, he's not out of place. He's just kind of uh, amb- ambivalent to the world around him. Um, very eccentric, I guess. Um, what I, I do like about Rowan Atkinson is he's like Jim Carrey, but not obnoxious. Like, he can do the facial stuff. He can be really 
uh, animated, but he's not. <laughs> I don't know what you got shit on Jim Carrey for, but okay. So. <laughs> I thought he was doing a Jim Carrey impression or a Ron Atkinson impression. I couldn't tell. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like uh, Jim Carrey is very bombastic. Oh yeah. Where it seems really effortless for uh, Ron Atkinson. He seems mm. more sophisticated in his approach to it. Yeah. Yeah. And unlike uh, British, then <laughs> unlike the '97 film. Um, it feels more close to its show roots, um, and it has like more of a heart to it, where he he kind of picks up friends along his journey, uh, which is nice. Like, at one point, uh, like there's a kid sidekick, and then like a a woman, but it's never like a romantic relationship thing. It's just like he just finds friends in his journey. Um, yeah, so it's 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 awesome. Nice, check it out. Cool. I like Roman Atkinson because he makes funny faces. That's about it. He's more than that. <laughs> Don't reduce him. James? Oh, uh, my number eight is, um, I would say, one of the most under-discussed Pixar films. It's Ratatouille. Ah, Paris, France. Home of the finest restaurants and the greatest chefs in the world. All my life, I've wanted to be one of them. You may think that's a strange dream for a rat, but I always believe that with hard work and a little luck, it's only a matter of time before I'm discovered. Rat! Yes, I'm Do you know what would happen if anyone knew we are the rats in our kitchen? Go! Take it away from here, garbage boy! Look at me like that! You're the one who was getting fancy with the spices! I need this job. I've lost so many. I don't know how to cook, and now I'm actually talking to a rat as if you... Did you not? You understand me? I can't cook. But you can, right? Look, don't be so modest. You're a rat for Pete's sake. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? We just need to work out a system so that I do what you want. Stop that! Stop what? Flicking me off! Ooh. I want to make things, Dad. Stay away from the humans. It's dangerous. <gasps> now shut up and eat your garbage. <laughs> How did you do that? Just once in a lifetime. Let's do this thing! Man knows a moment. You gotta taste this! You detect that? An oaky nuttiness? Oh, I'm detecting nuttiness. We hate to be rude, but we're friends. I have a secret. I have a rat. Do you have a rush? He's toying with my mind, taunting me with that rat. As though I had It's getting away! Together, we can be the greatest chef in Paris. Ratatouille? You're in Paris now, baby. My town. Hey. I remember, like, really kind of being surprised by this. Like, Me too. I think the, the advertising made it look like maybe the most straightforward, just like, hey, Pixar doing a talking animal movie. I mean, he's not even really talking. He talks to us, but he doesn't talk to the French people. Anyway. Because um, they're snobs. Right. Well, because he doesn't speak English because he's a rat. But anyway. <laughs> um, uh, and then going into it, like, 
you know, thinking like, okay, well, this would be good. A, one of the most visually beautiful, especially at the time, animated films I'd ever seen. Um, and then I think the story that they end up telling is is really incredibly touching, and you know, both for for uh, Remy and his sort of you know trying to find himself and and you know fit in in this world that he doesn't fit in in, uh, or f- I should say, find a world that he fits in in. Um, and then also the that amazing moment when the food reviewer comes and spoilers uh, and reviews Remy's food. Um, it's such a brilliant, artfully done little piece of storytelling that is it the first? Cause this was before Up came up came out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time I think. Yeah, it was before Up and before Pixar or Toy Story three. Yep. Right. So this is the first time that Toy Story or that Pixar made me cry, um, because that moment is so Toy beautiful. Toy Story two didn't make you cry. No, Toy Story two didn't make me cry. I think Finding I was too Nemo young. Didn't? No. No, nope. oh, wow. Finding Nemo never made me cry. Yeah, Monsters Incorporated. <laughs> no, Bugs uh, <Folks> Life. <laughs> yeah, because I, I didn't cry at Pixar movies until I started mm. getting older and was like, you know, understood what emotions meant. Well, that um, that scene too is so brilliantly done. Yeah, and it's just it, like I've it's just like Pinocchio. I've seen the movie many times. I know how it's going to end. I know mm-hmm. the beats of it, but it still gets me every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you're so invested in Remy's journey and for someone that cold-hearted to have an excuse i guess for what happened to him and then mm-hmm. realize that it's the simple things in life yeah it, it's it's a beautiful metaphor it's peter o'toole well poem, it, right? yes yeah it's it's i think of, it's peter o'toole's last film too or one of is, his last films it so it's like a great way for the monologue so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um it's also it's a really beautiful moment partially just because here's this thing that is very simple right you're this food um and especially in this case, ratatouille being like a peasant dish, um, like <sighs> drawing so much emotion out of this this simple thing. Rather than it, you know, it's not a huge moment. It's not a big you know. It's not like somebody doing something nice for him, right? It's as simple as having something that reminds you of better times and how impactful that can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful piece of storytelling and and a really special animated film that's that is wonderful for kids and is why pixar sets itself apart so often um so yeah i i I think it's beautiful i think it's a movie that doesn't get talked about enough and um yeah i think it's it's great so it's my number eight uh my number eight is our first repeat my number eight is uh the king of kong oh cool because i what i love about this film is uh the the billy mitchell character is such a caricature that like I can't like there's a part in it where he comes into the the like the championships and he never plays anything. He just like looks down on everybody and uh-huh. and everyone's going, Oh, it's Billy Mitchell, like he's something special and uh he really isn't. He's yeah. just some dude who makes hot sauce who had a video game record, you know, twenty five years prior. And it's just a fun story about the corruption in high scoring in video games and you never thought would exist. And it, it's just a very interesting documentary. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, yeah Billy, cool. and, and Billy Mitchell is like, wow, what a piece he's of interesting. Shit. He's sword. interesting because he's a villain without like, is, is he without doing anything terrible? Yeah. He's just, he's just an ass. <laughs> he's, like, kind of he's, like, he's kind of pitiful in a weird way. Like, he totally is. Yeah. He's he, I mean, he is, he's that high school jock character, right? Like yeah. he, 
he thinks he's really cool and you kind of feel you both feel sorry for him and you think he's a shithead. Yeah. You know, because like, yeah, because he never does anything like really terrible. No, he just has this arrogance about him and the way he's presented in the film. And I mean, you know, if you watch uh, some of the uh, interviews, he's always been like that, where he's just thinks he's better than everybody. And and like maybe some of his records aren't legit. You know, and mm-hmm. it's uh, the Twin Galaxies yeah, the guys. One, is, the one where, like, he mailed in a tape and, like, there's a lot of, you know, bad sections on this VHS tape. Yeah. And you're like, come on. That he's able to strong arm this poor referee from Twin Galaxies. And yeah. It's just a weird, like, behind the scenes look at something you didn't know existed, even though you love video games. Yeah. Like, oh, weird. Yeah. Really cool. But yeah. Yeah. King of Kongs. Cool. Good pick. Zach? Uh, my number seven is a repeat. It's the Darjeeling Limited. Cool. Um, Henry actually probably hit it on the nose about why uh, this is my favorite Wes Anderson movie uh, until the Grand Budapest Hotel comes out. Um, this uh, Darjeeling to me is, it, yes, it is the most mature uh, Wes Anderson movie at, at this time. Um, and the visual acumen of it, like I had never really watched a movie filmed in India before. Mm-hmm. And like, so like it was, it was kind of like going to a different place that I hadn't seen before. Um, the, I love the characters in it. I think they're funny and, uh, they, they have real depth to them. Um, I, I love Owen Wilson in this movie. I think this is one of his finest hours. Um, the, what the film ultimately ends up being about to me is like the, the most like, hit you over the head with some uh, hit you over the head with some emotion that I've seen out of Wes Anderson, honestly, until like I say, grand Budapest hotel for me. Um, but again, this is just where I'm coming from on it. And that soundtrack was like, what was like the shit? Like I just like the collection <laughs> of like the kinks and all this stuff from Indian cinema, whether it be the Apu trilogy or anything like that, you know, it's like, it's there presented, like in full force. Um, so I love it. And, um, uh, I, I, I understand why not everyone loves it within the Wes Anderson oeuvre, but I, I think it's a very special film. So, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Wes Anderson. Good pick. Henry. Uh, so awkward, uh, thing here. Uh, my number seven, y'all have been shitting on for the past couple minutes. Uh, my number seven's planet terror. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so yeah, uh, Planet. Like I said, I didn't see this film in theaters, and this is a film that like I always saw the trailer for when I was young, like specifically Planet Terror, and I was like, "Ooh, sexy lady with gun leg, neat." Uh, and then eventually, <laughs> my parents got on DVD, and it was that one DVD that like when you're a kid or VHS or whatever that you're like you sneakily watch it, like when your parents aren't <laughs> looking. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing for other people, but for me it was, and so I would like. At night, I would sneakily steal this DVD and watch it, and I've seen this film maybe like eighty times. <laughs> uh, so I actually like it. it's like I mean, I find it hilarious, which might explain my kind of humor or my type of humor of the absurd and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Planet Terror, uh, I just find it amazing for more nostalgic reasons than not. So, but yeah, Planet cool. Terror is my number seven. It's good. It is yep. good. Yep. Despite you shitting on it. It's good. <laughs> just just hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad, number seven? My number seven is 310 to Yuma. Ooh. 
probably cheaper just to let me rob the damn thing. See which way road, Evans? Might be we're headed to Bisbee. Hands up. 22 robberies, over $400,000 in losses. Y'all notice he didn't mention any of the lives I've taken. We will have Ben Wade convicted and hanged, and we will pay to make it happen. I'll come. So, boys, where are we headed? Taking to the 310 to Yuma day after tomorrow. Shouldn't have told him that. Relax, friend. Now, if we get separated, I know where to meet up. It's a killer, Daniel. There's someone I have the decency to bring him to justice. I want to come with you. Well, you can't. What are you doing out here, Dan? You got a family to protect. Don't talk to me like you know me way, way in French. I told you to stay home. I left home. You turn around right now. Your boy ain't protecting you. He's following me. You say one more word, I'll cut you down right here. I like this side of you, Dan. You're so sure that your crew's coming to get you? They're lost without him. Like a pack of dogs without a master. Where'd they take him? I don't know. Let me out of here! Sure as God's vengeance, they're coming. Come this way, I've seen him. There's gonna be 30, 40 more guns out there now. Boss, you in there? Sorry, mister, but I'm not gonna die here today. It's just you left, Dan. It's just you and your boy. This town's gonna burn! Call him off. Why should I? Because you're not all bad. Yes, I am. You just remember that your old man walked Ben Wade to that station when nobody else would. Which is a remake of 310 to Yuma. That shouldn't have any right to be as good as it is. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, it's a pretty good update. Um, Christian Bale, Russell Crowe. Um, ben Foster. Ben Foster. Ben, ben Foster. Foster being a... Ben Foster is <laughs> so good. Um, even more of a villain than Russell Crowe. Um, yeah, just a great update of that uh, that movie. I've never seen the original, so I can't compare it really. But uh, I, I know as for a western, like westerns, really weren't really popular in the mid two thousands. No, um, I think this really kicked off a renaissance. Uh, I mean, they haven't really come back as strong as they were, you know, no. in the fifties and sixties. But they have uh, a or bigger even, audience. <laughs> yeah, or even like Unforgiven when that came out. That kind of yeah. Energized it, but uh, not a yeah. Uh, Three Ten D must got some back into this into the cinemas, but uh, yeah, it's just a great, great story, um, great filmmaking from the future director of Logan. So yeah, maybe yeah. we'll see uh, that in a film explosion this year. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I I adore this film. Um, I'm really glad you got into your list because I was trying to find a space for it. Oh, you can um, get in there. Wow. No, I didn't. I I and I love it. Uh, it's just it's such a cool action film. Um, and both those leads are so great. But yeah, it, part of it was this was also at a time when I was like absolutely in love with Ben Foster because this year also had uh, Thirty Days a Night and he has a tiny little role in Thirty Days a Night. And I was like, man, here's this guy that I remember from from fast forward with jewel state on the disney channel um that all of a sudden he has popped up and i'm like oh man this guy's so good and no one appreciates how damn good he is um was this av- when did x3 come out the year before okay yeah 
So I just I probably was like, oh man, his poor career is just going to go into a shitter because no <laughs> one's paying attention to how good he is, and the one big role he's had was awful. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Good choice, James. Um, Zach's or uh, Henry's number seven makes my number seven worse because my number seven is Death Proof. I don't even know whether or not we have a trailer for that. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if there are separate there are trailers. separate ones for Are there? Okay, yeah. good. Or not. Whatever Brad I'm, does. I'm not going to play it again. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, well, that, that's, that's three genuinely different trailers. There's a Grindhouse trailer, there's a Planet Terror trailer, and there's a, there's a Death, Death Proof trailer. He's already editing two files together. Let's not give him more work than he needs to. Yeah, so. true. Yourself. Very true. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I adore Death Proof. I think it is... I mean... It's still the best car chase I have seen in a very long time. Uh, when I measure things, like this year when Baby Driver came out, uh, in my head I was going, yeah, this is the best car, best car chase I've seen s- since Death Proof. Um, part of it is, you know, getting Zoe Bell to act and be your main character so that that way your, your stunt person is that character, or not main character, but one of your characters. So that way, like, when you have these amazing stunts, where she is on the hood of this car and you are going in and out of like, you know, mids and close ups and she's literally on this car. You're like, this is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Uh, and she, her performance is great. Like when she's scared, when she's pissed, like she's always just on point. Um, it's amazing. And then that's to say nothing of Kurt Russell. One of my favorite moments in a film this year is. When uh, when Rose McGowan has gotten in the car with him <laughs> and he just looks at the camera and smiles for a second and just breaks that fourth wall. And it's so enjoyable and fun and knowing it's just great, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that whole first section of um, of meeting those girls and all of that. And then, you know, he slaughters them terribly uh, is actually really fun, and sure, it's a it's a slow burn, but the tension you get in the second half because of what he puts you through in the first half is well worth it um, because you really like those girls, and then they all are horribly killed. Um, so you really, you know, since nothing bad has happened to your your heroes in the second half, like you're really rooting for them because you want someone to hurt Kurt Russell. Um, I think it's just really effective in a well-made film. And yeah, that, that last moment, especially when like they're racing and he thinks he's gotten away and, and they're actually on that other road and they come down and that, 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 uh, his, his Nova flips over is so cool. Like just one of the best car chases I have ever seen. Um, which is why I say that about it. It being very similar to an Edgar Wright film where it's, it's him, you know, paying homage to a lot of films in that genre while also being an entry into it. So, uh, really great. I love it. And Planet Terror is great, but if I had put Grindhouse on this list, it would have been my number nine instead. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway, cool. That's my seven. Uh, my number seven is a sequel. Ooh. And I think it has some of the most intense first 20 minutes ever in film. Uh, my number uh, seven is 28 Weeks Later. Welcome to London. We're heading into District 1. Although District 1 is completely safe, 
Outside the security zone, London remains a wasteland. There are a large number of bodies still left to be cleared from the original outbreak of infection. You're nearly home. That makes you the youngest person in the entire country. Welcome back. We wish you luck in your lives. Oh, I missed you so much. This is what it's all about, gentlemen. Family starting again. Did you like it? It's amazing. Are you going to tell us what happened to Mum? The last infected human died six months ago. We weren't here six months ago. Have you come into direct contact with the infected? Execute Code Red. It's probably nothing. I, I think the opening to this film is incredible. Yeah. Uh, because Robert Carlyle is the main character, in quotes, <laughs> and uh, he's an asshole. Yeah. Um, so if you don't know, in 28 Days Later, which I actually think 28 Weeks Later is better, but 28 Days Later, uh, there's a virus that is transmitted through monkeys that makes people mad. It's a rage virus. It's a rage virus. Mm-hmm. and <clears throat> That turns them into zombies. <laughs> 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 you want to you see the you want to see the rage of virus? Yeah. So uh, this movie takes place. I don't know how. I guess twenty eight weeks later after the first movie. I guess. It, well, it's twenty eight weeks after like the first the release. breakout. Yeah, because the twenty eight days later is twenty eight days after the first breakout. That's right. So this comes twenty eight weeks after. I so, love the math of this franchise. Yeah. So yeah. So the the whole island of England is quarantined because we found out in the first one that there's still the rest of the world's living. Right. And they realize they contain this virus on this island then we're okay so mm-hmm. the film opens with robert Carlyle and his wife and they're attacked by the rage virus things and he lets her like die in the room and it's really scary um i don't know if he lets he's, her die he's pretty much a coward right like, yeah he's so just, he he doesn't do anything to help her yeah he jumps out afraid. the window and just runs away yeah and so some time passes and they reopen the island to people coming back and his kids come back because i think to say he is to say he's an asshole, I feel like yeah, I, I, I remember like feeling bad for him while at the same time being like, dude, you're kind of a shitbird. Yeah. Like, but he's also propels a story good. because um, so his kids come back and they uh, break out of the quarantine and they go back to their old house and they find their mom alive. Mm. And it turns out she has an immunity to this virus. And when Robert Carlyle's character sees her again, he kisses her and it infects him. And then he like gouges out her eyes, and then he's the whole movie is him chasing his family throughout the streets. Jeremy Renner's in it, um, and it's really intense and it's uh, it's super violent. Mm-hmm. Um, it 
keeps going and going and going. Never really. It's unrelenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's really well done. Uh, I, I love this movie. Yeah. And it doesn't have any weird, trippy Danny Boyle shit in it. <laughs> it is really good. I, I I love that movie. That movie is like way better. As somebody who really loved 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, that's a sequel that's way better than I expected it to be. Yep. Yeah. And it, it, it's it, where 28 Days Later is... I mean, it's a good movie. It's 28 Days Later more focuses on one character and his mm. plight. This one is more of the whole island and dealing with the military side of it and how do you keep people safe and... You know, you'll never contain this virus is basically what happens because the ending shot is it gets to Paris. So. Yeah, I'd say it's a better horror film. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Zach, number six. My number six is a repeat. It's super bad. Hmm. Um, I, I, I wasn't off that much. That was, that was like three I, I, positions. I, I, Come on. I, um, I, I love the shit out of this film. Uh, my friend Sam and I, again, like amongst the many things we saw this year, this was one of them. Opening day. Um, right after I had just wrapped my first ever film set job as an intern for um, a feature film, um, uh, which I was doing on my summer break while still working at the movie theater. And we get to the theater, we're watching the movie, we're having a great time, and then halfway through, the film breaks and the projector stops, and we saw like a quarter of the audience get out and leave and not come back. Oh, wow. And my friend and I, my friend Sam and I were. Um, we're we're just like we're waiting patiently like we just, we were we we did not care if we missed one minute or whatever we just wanted to see how this ended um cuz it was that it it was i think it's one of like if you were in high school when that film came out i think it hits you the hardest in a weird way because it's like it it's so close to where you're at in your life at that moment now granted like take a year year or two off but you know, like I mean, like you, you, you had people, different people that you could relate to. I related to McLovin, like the 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 dorky ass shit. Like I couldn't relate to his fun adventures with the cops, but you know, mm-hmm. like his attitude and like it's just like the the way he maneuvers around. I can relate to Seth. I can relate to Evan. You know, um, I I think this is my favorite Bill Hader film, um, which is a weird thing to say because like he's always kind of in the background of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of my favorite Seth Rogen movies. Uh, and I think that what my when I called my friend last night to, to talk to him because he's getting married now, which is bizarre. I asked him like, "Do you remember I was going to Superbad and the film breaking?" And he was like, "You can quote me on this. That was the most fun I ever had in the theater because we were like, it, it was the most excited we had been that year. Was just to let the film to get the film con- to continue going. Like we were that like on pins and needles. Hmm. So like, and he said that was the most fun I had ever had at the theater at that point. So." Um, it's a wonderful film. Um, I think it, and by the time you get to the end, it, it, it comes oddly heart, heartbreaking and like emotional in a way that you're not really expecting from a film that has like literally like broken every rule we're supposed to have. Um, and of all the Apatow films, like I like knocked up. Um, and, uh, I, I actually appreciate walk hard, the Dewey Cox story, but you know, like I, I think super bad was the best Apatow production this year for my, for my money. Um, so yeah, super bad. Henry, uh, I'm not going to talk about mine for very long because you aren't going to be interested. Uh, mine is the only film in history to ever ha- be a foreign film to win Best Actress. Uh, my uh, number six film is La Vienne and Rose. Marchons, 
from the streets of Paris. De la rue au Gernise, voici la môme Pia. And survived using the only gift she had. Je vais t'écouter tous les soirs chez Le Play, tu as beaucoup à apprendre. Oh, T'es bien le premier qui me dit ça. Articule. Reprends. Ça n'existe pas, chante comme je parle. Soit tu fais ce que je te dis, soit tu retombes d'où tu viens. Mais j'ai une salle qui attend, moi Edith, t'as travaillé pour ça, tu m'as écouté, tu m'as cru. Redresse-toi. Picture House proudly presents. Hold me close and hold me fast. A true story. The magic still you can. Of the voice of a nation. Vous m'avez fait pleurer. Votre voix est comme l'âme de Paris. Whose talent would captivate the world. Il faut que tu sois courageuse, Edith. Vous devriez annuler ce concert, Madame Piaf. Vous jouez avec votre vie. Et alors Il faut bien jouer avec quelque chose. C'est payé, balayé, oublié. Je veux que tu sois à moi pour la vie. Mesdames et messieurs, Edith Piaf Lavienne and Rose stars Marion Cotillard uh, oh. uh, as a opera singer from France who then migrates to the States and it's, it's a biopic on the singer's life uh, and it's she gives an, the best performance of her career thus far uh, and it's really and it really is a heartbreaking performance just to watch just kind of her life play out and it, and it's one of those films where it's like it, I mean, it says a lot that she's a foreign actress to win best actress at the Academy Awards when that's never happened before mm. Uh, and but yeah, y'all are never going to see it, so I'm not going to talk I about it very much. So. I have seen it, so the joke's on you. <laughs> no. Well, Zach, you're the only one who's going to see it. I know Ryan's never going to watch this. So. Fuck no, fuck the friends. So if it goes on Netflix, I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah. If so. you can stream it for free, I mean, give Brad some credit. Um, <laughs> I watched her in that like two days, one night thingy. She was good. She's getting that too. She's nominated yeah. for that too. It shows how good of an actress she is that she can be nominated for foreign films. So actually, uh, love me if you dare. I own. And she's great oh. at that too, and that's a French one. Wow! Look at so, look at Brad being buddy. pretentious. Oh, okay. We didn't need to do that, but yeah, fuck you, gay. <laughs> I own four Transformers movies. Yeah, um, those are French in them at some the, point. I bet the singer she portrays um, is Edith Piaf, and it. I find it funny that three years later in Inception, Marianne Cotillard's in the film, and the song they use for the kick is an Edith Piaf song. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. sorry. The yeah. Amazon, my Amazon Echo is listening to us. <laughs> is it gonna play Lovey and Rose? That'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, Lovey and Rose, uh, Marion Cotillard is one of my favorite actresses of all time, and so I have a special connection with this film. So yeah, that's my number six. Cool, Brad. Oh yeah, I'm next. Uh, my number six is. Aqua Teen Hunger Force: Colon Movie <laughs> Film for Theaters. Yes! <laughs> well done. An ancient wizard. A child with a secret. A woman with a past. How y'all doing? The galaxy torn asunder. 
cop on the edge. Where are my freaking pants? A hidden tomb. A mythical kingdom. An ancient, mythical, secret kingdom tomb. Guy that runs the tomb. And a flaming chicken. In 2007, none of these things appear. In Aqua Teen Hunger Force, colon, movie film for theaters. Except the chicken. Welcome home, baby. From the first assistant director of the second unit of Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. And the production assistant of the video, Know Your Friar, comes the adventure of a lifetime. An animated epic featuring three all-new backgrounds and five characters. Did you see that chicken guy running around? Then this chicken. That guy was weird. Aqua Teen Hunger Force Colon, the movie film for theaters. Remember any of this? I have no good intros for any of these. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Campbell as a chicken nugget. <sighs> I forgot Man. about that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This movie's stupid. It's fucking um, amazing, but amazing at the same time. Uh, had a very short life in theaters. Did. Oh yeah. yeah. But it didn't uh, make like two million bucks. Long enough for me to see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we went opening weekend or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's crazy and uh, so good. You a, know, a great addition to this series. And it's it's not like it's you know usually movies like this when the studio's <laughs> like, hey, we're gonna make a movie version, they'll like do 3D animation or mm-hmm. like live action or something. No, it's just like a really long extended episode. <laughs> it almost feels at times like like you could cut it into a couple of episodes. Yeah, because it so meanders and the and the plot keeps changing. Um, that yeah, it's really good. Well, I, you know, I'll uh, let me and Brad have known each other for so long, and this year at Denver Comic Con, uh, the guy who plays Master Shake came, Dana Snyder, Dana Snyder, and we our podcast had uh, a panel after his, and so me and Brad were sitting in the back, and what's funny about him is he kind of sounds like Master Shake when he talks. But when he gets really excited, he sounds just like him. Me and Brad kept on looking at each other when he sounded like Master Shake and just laughing. It, it, I don't know. It's just like our little inside joke, and it was really funny. He's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> you just talk about Disney Disney rides, and all of a sudden he'll get really high pitched. Yeah. Like, hey, it's Master Shake. It's Master Shake talking about it's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's great. My, I have I, one of my favorite moments from this year, uh, from this film, is. Uh, it's Dr. Weird, and he's like, my father built this castle. He said that Weirds would live here for a thousand years, and now it's being turned into fucking lofts. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I think his, 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 his assistants go, these units look pretty cool. And he goes, look at this unit! <laughs> <laughs> um, and weirdly, like the title for years, I'd always thought like throwing colon in it was just like this weird way of being gross about the title. But 
only recently did I figure out like, oh, that's just like the two dots written out as a word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it would be high for the yeah hyphenated. And, and the beginning of that film with the uh, the talking candy bars and whatnot, and then suddenly moving to that like these metal. <laughs> you don't like it? Fuck you! Oh yeah, that. Uh, I wish they played that as like the intro to more Alamo movies. Oh yeah, they've done it to get people to shut up. Yeah, they yeah. but they should do it all the time. They should <laughs> took all your so fucking money. at the drive-in uh, before they like switched it, over their <laughs> their uh, commercials and things. They used to have like the jolly, you know, mm-hmm. the clean version. That's all good. And I would just sit there like thinking like, no, they really need the, <laughs> the metal uh-huh. version for this. I should cut that into more of our episodes too. You should yeah. I think it's Nine Pound is the band that does Carl's theme. Nine Pound and, Hammer. Yeah, like it's like, and like the opening of that song, like, the pants that I wear wick the sweat from my balls. The <laughs> <laughs> South Jersey mook. <laughs> yeah. oh. I think you only find it on DVD, which is sad. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. Warner Archive can do something with it. Maybe. We'll, yeah. s- we'll see. I'll buy it in 4K. Hell you yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Shout Factory, where are you? Yep. Shout Select. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be great. You got to shout to them. Oh, mm-hmm. nope. They okay. should release the 10th anniversary version. Yeah. Dropping the ball. Yeah, there's no money. <laughs> yeah. uh, James? Cool. Uh, my number six is uh, a another very underrated little film um, that is maybe my favorite Adam Sandler performance. Uh, my number six is Rain Over Me. Oh, hey. Hey, Charlie. Charlie! I ran into Charlie Fireman today. Really? How is he? Hey, Charlie. It's Alan, man. We know each other? Are you kidding me? Who's Charlie Fireman, Daddy? He was my college roommate. I haven't talked to him in a long time. We were college roommates? Yeah, you slept naked most nights. And you were a sleepwalker. It was the worst two years of my life. He lost his whole family in a plane crash. He's lost now. Charlie Fireman for Dr. Johnson. You don't have an appointment, sir? Oh, we're friends. We were college roommates. And? I used to sleep in the nude. I don't play guitar, Charlie. Johnson, you're barely a dentist. You pull people's teeth all day. It don't matter. You stay out all night? That's not okay. I was stuck in Charlie world. I couldn't leave. Come on now, stab his wing. Guys have guy hobbies, right? They play poker, they golf. What's going on, Charlie? Let's hang out. Right now? Yeah, wake up. Come on. Can he go out? Is he allowed out? Don't do that. Don't ask my wife permission for me to go out. All right, you're right. Can you go out? Charlie, Charlie, fuck! A lot of girls here, Charlie. What? You're single now. After what happened with your family and everything. Oh, whoa, hey, I don't have a family, Johnson. I know you don't. Who sent you here? He likes you, Alan. You know why? Because you know nothing about his family. So he figures you won't ask any questions. I have these things that I don't like to think about. I can't do this. I gotta put these back on. Only I don't know how I got to the place where I'm not letting you in. I don't want to be that guy, baby. Alan, just come home. I love you. It's easy to see that this man is going through something very profound. Are you going to be all right, Charlie? And you're going to make it, right? You're a good husband, Alan. You remind me of me. Only love. 
Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, in my opinion, this is probably the best 9/11 film that has been made. Um, because this is really about like the aftermath of it. It transcends being about the disaster and becomes a movie just about loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sandler is uh, Oscar worthy. You know, like he's he's just unbelievably good in this film. Um, yeah. The relationship between him and Don Cheadle is fantastic. It's a it's a heartbreaking and beautiful movie. And that scene where he confronts his his in laws at the courthouse is. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. You it's know, so moving. And it's so subtle, too. And when they, he finally drops, because he, they never really say what his tragedy is. Yeah. Until he's sitting in that room and he's talking about his daughter and, you know, how he's crying. And it's just, <sighs> it's devastating. And he's mm-hmm. he's so good. I, mm-hmm. I, I'll i talk about it next week on the show, but I watched the, the, the Meyerowitz stories. And mm, yeah. You should, if you like Adam Sandler like that, definitely stream that movie. Yeah, when I saw that, that come up, I, I, I had to pin it to my, my list because yeah. I, yeah. Uh, great. But yeah, this movie, I, I, I did put it on my list just not because it's not a great movie. It's just it's hard for me to watch a lot. Oh, yeah. Because it's so heartbreaking. And I think it gives an accurate representation of someone who m- is dealing with that loss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you kind of just give up caring about yourself and doing what you want and um, having all the money doesn't solve your problems yeah i think i i deliberately made sure i had it on the list just because it's one that i think a lot of people mm-hmm. missed and will continue to miss and that it's a terrible shame he he's so good in the movie and it is it, it stands on its own even without how great adam sandler is and, and what a sort of a, a not attraction but um uh, anyway, the the fact that like you don't just need to see it because like oh man you get to see Adam Sandler be not goofy like no it's a genuinely wonderful film mm-hmm. uh, that people need to see and, and and too many people haven't so um, yeah anyway that's my my number six it was a it, it was a it was a hard theater watch oh yeah, yeah we yeah. went to the Regency theater that used to be in that little mall off of Hamden and like the theater was practically empty and yeah. Uh, but yeah it's a great film yeah. Oh, shoot. Intermission.
Sorry, you could edit out that weird part where I was gone and then came back. Um, uh, so uh, we're on my number six, right? Yes. My number six is a little more, way more lighthearted. Uh, is also a movie that shocked me how much I really enjoyed it, and I still enjoy it to this day. I watch it, I don't know, once a year or so. Uh, my number six is Juno. What's the prognosis, Fertile Myrtle? Minus or plus? There it is. Little pink plus sign is so unholy. That ain't no edge of sketch. This is one doodle that can't be undid, Holmes Gillett. Just tell him. I'm pregnant. Who was the father? It's Polly Bleeker. Polly Bleeker? I didn't think he had it in him. I know, right? <laughs> Did you see that coming? Yeah, but I was hoping she was expelled her into her drugs. Her DWI? Anything but this. I could, like, have this baby and, and give it to someone that, like, totally needs it. You should look at the penny saver. They have ads for parents. Yeah. Desperately seeking spawn. Hi. I'm Vanessa. Hi. I'm the husband. This, of course, is Juno. Like the city in Alaska. No. You're a part-time lover and a full-time friend. When this is all over, we can, we can always get back together. Uh, were we together? Yeah, we were once, you know. At time. You think you're really going to do this thing? If I could just have the thing and, and give it to you now, I totally would. But I'm guessing it looks probably like a sea monkey right now. Oh, I should let it get a little cuter, right? Yes. Great. Keep it in the oven. Fox Searchlight Pictures presents a comedy about life. Well, I thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say when. I don't really know what kind of girl I am. And the bumps along the way. Your little girlfriend gave me the stink eye in art class yesterday. Katrina's not my girlfriend, right? And I doubt that she gave you the stink eye. That's just the way her face looks, you know? That's just her face. I don't know if I'm even ready to be a father. You know a big puffy version of Junebug? Where you been? Start dealing with things way beyond my maturity level. to know that it's possible that two people can stay happy together forever. The best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are. Juno. Your parents are probably wondering where you are. Mm, uh, I mean, I'm already pregnant, so what other kind of shenanigans can I get into? I, I love this film, one, because I'm, I've always been a Jason Bateman fan as he's gotten older. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this film, he's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. and He's a we, creep. <laughs> but he doesn't come off as one right away. No, he's he's immature. Like, to just call him a jerk, I think, is under... But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But no, but his actions suggest that he's yes. not a nice guy. Yes, I agree with that. Yes. Um, but the, the movie it tells a story about Juno who gets uh, pregnant in high school and how she has to go... Th- deal with it and uh jk simmons as her dad is amazing yeah um michael sarah is great in this as well uh allison jennings and oh yeah. allison jenny allison jenny yeah this movie uh where diablo cody kind of fell off because mm-hmm. she's weird um but this movie had a great voice mm-hmm. uh and, and i think ellen page narrating and telling the story is the right person mm-hmm. um because you believe her mm-hmm. uh I, I really enjoy this film, and I think it's it's really well done. Um, uh, Jennifer Garner is great in it uh, yeah. too. She she only has a few scenes, but she's you she's hard. It's it's tough yeah. uh, because she, her last scene with Jason oh, is dude. awesome. 
It's just, oh, yeah. Let's not forget just how amazing Jason. I don't, I don't think you mentioned Jason Bateman in your list of car- of people that are in this film, but he's yeah, easily he my favorite part of this film. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I did. That's the first thing I said. Wait a little. Oh, okay. Henry. I might. I just oh, missed it then. Yes. Sorry. Hey, he's on the other side of the country. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I um I, I love this film, but it is my least favorite Jason Reitman film. Oh, you were really? so wrong. Um, but I <laughs> I love that this the that Diablo Cody worked with Reitman this time because then a couple years later we get my favorite Reitman film from my favorite script by Diablo Cody. You're insane. No, Young Adult's a great movie. You should You're watch insane. it. It's it is a great movie. It is so not his best film. I I we all have our opinions, <laughs> just like we all have assholes. Yeah, no, I I, I think that Juno McGuff Ooh. is so relatable. Oh yeah, and lovable. Um, it it is a wonderful story, and like you really it root, like it takes on it takes on an issue in a pretty like realistic way. Yeah, it takes an adept hand to handle this thing so well, and like not choose sides. Give you a story that you understand, and and really make it about people and not about politics mm-hmm. in a way that allows yeah, this movie yeah, yeah, to yeah. breathe in a way that it otherwise might not be able to. Um, that alone makes it uh, amazing. But this is also the first place where I see Jason Reitman's sort of you know he's he's talked and I've I've said this a lot. Um, He's talked about the fact that he makes movies that ask questions that he doesn't know the answer to, and then he tries to find the answer through the movie. And this is the first time where I like I I feel that um, it, it's amazing. I fell in love with Raymond here and have loved pretty much everything he's done since. So uh, it's great. I love Juno. It's only this was his second film, right? It's his yeah. This is yes. right after Thank You for Smoking, yeah. mm-hmm. which is yeah. another amazing film. Too. It is. He doesn't have a bad one. Yeah. I, I, he's, he's one of those directors, I think, like all like Wes Anderson, all of his films are watchable, at least. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did you know that this movie is not on my list? <laughs> <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah, yeah I did. That's it was awesome. Good. It was really good. Uh, number five, Zach. Uh, my number five. Um, you want anything from yeah, the I shop? Do you guys want anything from the shop? Fuck no. you. I do. I'm this is also this my number five. <laughs> my number five is Hot Fuzz. Sergeant Nicholas Angel. Expert in hand-to-hand combat. Armed response. And high-speed pursuit. He was so good, they reassigned him. Right. You've been making us all look bad. There's one thing you haven't taken into account. And that's what the team is going to make of this. Statistically, Sanford is the safest village in the country. Now, this big city car. Have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Must learn. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? How to think small. Morning, the swans escaped. The swans escaped. Can you describe it to me? About two foot tall. Yep. Uh, long, slender neck. That's just going to scare it. But in a place where not much goes on. Watch this. <laughs> a whole lot is about to go down. Three people have died in a week. Accidents happen all the time. What makes you think it was murder? There hasn't been a murder in 20 years. You're saying this wasn't an accident. Not everyone's a murdering psychopath. It's high time you realize that. You and your monkey. Did he mean me or that? 
Have you ever wondered why the crime rate is so low and yet the accident rate is so high? Oh, uh, yeah. Bust this thing wide open. From the guys who watched every action movie ever made and created Shaun of the Dead. You never taken a shortcut before? Oh, yeah. When the heat is on, here come the fuzz. Go, go, go. You gotta call. The fuzz. Gunfights, car chases. And that's what I'm talking about. I know. Like, I swear, that's all he does is sweep. That's, like, his favorite thing ever. I was going to do I it kn- anyway. I know what my number five is now. <laughs> <laughs> you, already, you, already, you already played your hand and then showed no, me the I cards. No, I know. <laughs> you, you just decided to do it late, so... Oh, okay. Well, whatever. I mean, I... Um, I'm this movie could easily be my number one. It could for me, too. Um, this is... Don't worry, I know Zach's number one, and now I'm going to sweep it. I, I, uh-huh. Oh, I, oh, I'm no, right It's a piece of shit film, too. It's really too bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Zach. Number five, it's Space Chimps. Um, oh, wait, that's next year. I was going to say, that's oh, shit. <laughs> um, so I, 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 I'd gotten into Edgar Wright with Shaun of the Dead, obviously, and then, like, and I, we, at this point, Space hadn't been released on DVD yet. Not in the U.S. No. Yeah, so the only way for me to really access him was Shaun of the Dead, and Hot Fuzz was something he talked about on a uh LA uh radio show that Kevin Smith put on for one night only and then they the recording ended up on the Viewsku website. Um but so when this film came out I was excited. It got re- at my theater it got relegated to one of the smaller auditoriums and uh when I f- uh, when I went with my dad to go see it I found out why we were the only ones in that theater. Um which surprised the shit out of me cuz I was like well Shaun of the Dead's like got this great following how is it has nobody seen this film? Which still kind of baffles me, I guess, but like again, it, it's for a certain audience. Um, Hot Fuzz is incredibly entertaining. Um, I love the character of Nicholas Angel. Um, uh, I love Danny Butterman. I I love their their dynamic. Like they are among the best buddy cops ever created. In in the same way that Tarantino, what Tarantino does with Death Proof in creating a car movie that is in love with other car movies, but still a equal entry. Hot Fuzz is a great cop movie mm-hmm. that manages to pull off tasteful homage to other cop films. Um, the, um, I, I, uh, Jim Broadbent is great in this film. Uh, Timothy Dalton's really funny. Um, and, uh, the, the twist when it happens is like, I mean, it, my favorite, my favorite thing in the movie is when, Everybody's like talking about the greater good, and they kind of repeat it. Like for me, it's like they start off with that slogan, but they don't like. You're not aware that they keep saying it really until like something catches your head, and then Simon Pegg, in like a moment of desperation, is like, "How can this be for the greater good?" And then they all say, "The greater good," and I was like, "Oh, that's why they're building it up for that joke." It's really funny. Like they can't stop saying their own mantra, uh, and then the final uh, shootout chase sequence slash timothy dalton getting speared with a fucking uh plastic town spike yes yeah and oh i love his line when they capture him he goes i want some ice cream (laughs) and like and a great callback from like one of the jokes in the movie like there's plenty of ice cream down at the station Mm -hmm. um and uh 
some great cameos from people who love Shaun of the Dead. Peter Jackson plays um, Father Christmas, mm-hmm. who stabs Nicholas Angel. Um, and like, yeah, I, I love it. And that was a DVD that I loved because like they came out with this like three disc Ultimate Edition, and it had like five commentaries. One commentary was with Quentin Tarantino, who just wanted to talk about the movie. Um, I think one was with like a, a, a Kevin Smith, I think, at one point. But like, like the involvement that. Uh, Edgar Wright put into that DVD was special. He still does it. Even the Baby Driver has probably some of the coolest special features. Yeah, it does. And, and I mean, his commentary is always good. I, I've actually never laughed harder, I think, in a movie than I did in this one is when Simon Pegg drop kicks that old lady. Yeah. I have never laughed so hard in a movie because it comes out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. So this is also my number five. And I, I think this movie is nearly perfect. I, I think it's my favorite of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, I will just say, uh, Movies with Mikey just did a review of this like yesterday. So go to YouTube and watch his review. It's brilliant and made me so want to put this higher on my list um, because the way he views this film is, is fantastic. Uh, but you should go watch that. Um, this is not my favorite uh, like Edgar Wright film, but um, as a... Of that trilogy where all of those movies are, you know... Um, Loosely connected. Well, they're, no, no. It's not that. It's that they're all, like, spoofs on a genre while being... Or they're, they're deconstructions of a genre while being an entry into them. This, to me, is the strongest one because it, like... It's just so smart. And then you look at the budget he had on that film and you're like, holy shit, like... This guy should be able to make any movie he wants forever. Um, which is why it's a shame that it's so hard for him. When's your birthday? 22nd of February. What year? Every year. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yep. Yeah, I'll talk about it later. I'm sure. Sorry, guys. Whatever. Uh, it's 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 my favorite of all of Edgar Wright's films, and it's going to show up a lot later on my list. Um, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Henry. and I and I I could make Zach's number one my number five, but that's my number fourteen, and I think every film <laughs> I've had so far is better than it. Uh, uh, so hey, yeah, my number five? five. Are you done? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, we're done. done. We, we don't okay. care. All right, because he's uh, wrong my about number, his number five. five so. uh, 2007 was a really good year for westerns in general. Uh, and this is not my favorite Western of the year, but it's one of them. Uh, my number five is The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Oh, that's a good one. Fuck, that is a great movie. His children didn't know how their father made his living or why they so often moved. They didn't even know their father's name. He regretted neither his robberies nor the 17 murders that he laid claim to. And on September 5th, 1881, Jesse James was 34 years old. Can't believe I'm sitting with none other than Jesse James. Manny's the night I stayed up, my eyes open, my mouth open, just reading about your escapades. They're all lies, you know. It is interesting the many ways you and I overlap. You're the youngest of three James boys, and I'm the youngest of five Ford boys. You have blue eyes, I have blue eyes. You're five feet eight inches tall, I'm five feet eight inches tall. I honestly believe I'm destined for great things, Mr. James. You give me signs that make me wonder. Maybe your mind's been changed about me. I can't figure it out. You want to be like me, or you want to be me? You think it's all made up, don't you? You think it's all yarns and and newspaper stories? He's just a human being. 
red hands and one mean face. I wonder about that man that's gone so wrong. I've been a nobody all my life. I know I won't get with this one opportunity, and you can bet your life I'm not going to spoil Seems to me if you have something to confess, you spit it out now. Get this yeah, did list. anyone else have this? I was worried I was going to sweep someone. Is this, is this no, anyone else? No, no I, it, I, I tried. It was, it, it was batting. I my list this year was like seventeen movies. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I love this movie. Uh, the only reason I didn't make it is just I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's, I, it's, it is it is a little too slow for me to like yeah. love it and watch it as often as I do some of the other things on my list. But it's a brilliant film. I think it's a very well written film, even if it is a really slow film. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it's one of the weird cases where I think, like, a monotone narration in the beginning is actually really fitting, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and I think I think Casey Affleck, it, I think this is his best performance he's ever given. Mm. Uh, and I think it's just, he's a wonder in it. Uh, I think everyone in this film is really good. And I think just the, the time period, and the, set, the set design, the cinematography, everything is just amazing in this film. Didn't Deacon uh, shoot this one? What's up? Probably. Deacon shot this one, right? Uh, probably. Let me check. Yeah, I feel um, like this was that movie looks amazing. There's a shot where Jesse James is standing on a railroad track at night. That was probably shot by Deacons. Yeah, it's oh Deacons yes, it, it was because this yeah. was he was double nominated for this and um uh, another film this year that we'll talk about. That's why the Oscars don't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, boy. But yeah, beautiful. I mean it's I mean, it's one of those films that's like if you haven't seen it by now, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so like, I'm doing a lot of things. Okay, <laughs> have you not seen it? I've not seen it. Oh, wow. oh it's really. Oh, yeah. There's a I mean, if you're Brad looking Pitt for a really slow-paced, boring western, you'll really like it. Yeah. All right. It's awesome. Is it on Netflix? Probably. Uh, it's I probably. Get, I get the Blu-ray for five bucks. I'm sure it's somewhere for free because it's this movie and no one watched it. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, if you really like character performances and character kind of base stuff. It's definitely one of the best, especially for a Western in terms of like your development. It's a really good one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my number five, uh, the assassinate. It's the long title one. <laughs> the assassination of Jesse James the by the of Jesse, coward yeah. Robert Ford. Also gave birth to the great video, the assassination of Yogi Bear by the coward Boo Boo. <laughs> it's a it's an internet video. It's fun. It's basically that, that scene one. with the painting, but Yogi Bear oh, and Boo Boo. That scene <laughs> with the painting. That scene with the painting is so good. Mm-hmm. I did see that. <laughs> so that was, the movie spoiled for me. Shoot, <laughs> it was spoiled. Your the 150 year old history has been no. spoiled. You know for what? Help. Actually, I'd forgotten about that video. So if you hadn't said that, I would have seen the movie and totally felt. So fresh. once again, it's all my fault. So yeah, wait, go Zach. Spoilers for that movie. That's like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot Doesn't that comes after. There. So cool, good pick, Emmy. Glad you got that in here. The rest of the movie. <laughs> that, awesome. Oh yeah, then it's ghost. The, the ghost of Jesse James. Well, yeah, Casey that haunts like, that coward Robert Ford. Ford. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright on this podcast. Scooby Doo and the assassination. You know what? I guess I guess the last quarter of the movie really is. Yeah, haunts him. Yes. Because wow, see, we're so deep we don't even know it. Uh huh. It's pretty great. Cool. My number five. No, oh, no, Brad, no, Brad's number five. Oh, it is mine. Yeah. Uh, so I, I made us all out of order. I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. What was it? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what? Aquatine was the last one? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. yeah. My, my 
Number five is a repeat. Uh, Resident well, is Evil? It? It's, it's the full grindhouse. Yeah. Yes, that's a repeat because Ryan did that one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and screw you guys. I'm with Henry. I like Planet Terror way more than Death Proof. Oh, you're insane. When we saw that, the- like seeing both back-to-back in the theater, like at a midnight showing, so we got out at like four in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and with all the awesome trailers in between, like that's the only way I ever want to really watch those movies, <laughs> even though I watch Planet Terror way more. <laughs> on its own than death proof i I thought i don't i think i've seen death proof once since then and it got better the second time i watched it but the first time i saw it i was so bored like those two conversations put me to sleep um and then the 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 car chase is amazing like that's that's the movie right there and stuntman mike's great but everything else like not to you know, say that like girls can't have interesting conversations, but <laughs> what Tarantino gave them wow. to talk I mean, about, I, I was think, like, I just did not care. I don't think I was going to take that from what you were going to say, but now that you said it, yes, you are being offensive. No, I'm just kidding. You know, they didn't have conversations because, you know, women. Yeah. <laughs> so. so My boyfriend didn't pick me up. But uh, Planet Terror is just, just way more fun me. to watch and zany and... Um, not that like having more of the the scratch aesthetic on the movie makes it better than death proof but it it just makes it just immerses me in that grindhouse feel way more mm-hmm. um, what means also like if you look at like planet terror and then something like thunderbolt you can see which one like you can see that you're speed. going to like planet terror more so <laughs> very, yeah. very true yes so but yeah even though like uh yeah th- those trailers are great like they one was so great they made two more movies out of it um and uh Edgar Wright has a trailer in there which just um, yeah. yeah thanks killing he does don't it's just, just thanks killing oh thanks giving yeah. yeah um yeah Edgar Wright says don't uh SS woman of the <laughs> werewolf women of the SS, SS. yeah <laughs> Rob this zombie is so great werewolf to watch that whole experience <sighs> yeah. as all one thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's my number 5 it's a good one nice well, don't have to worry about James yep. um my number five is, I feel like I defend this movie every year and all the time. Every year, huh? Yeah. Uh, it, it inevitably comes up because I'm such a, a fan of the director and the character. My number five is uh, Spider-Man 3. Oh. Tell me you love me. I love you so much. I'm going to ask MJ to marry me. Oh. Give her this. It's the ring Uncle Ben gave me. Harry. You knew this was coming, Pete. Listen to me. I didn't kill your father. What's with you guys, anyway? It's complicated. Hate those things. Revenge is like a poison. It can take us over. Turn us into something ugly. The suit. Where'd this come from? This substance seems to be a parasite. It amplifies aggression. Seems to like you. Looking good, Spidey. I love the new outfit. The power. It feels good. I'm worried about you. I don't need your help. 
Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. What's happened to you? I don't know, but I have to stop it. Parker. I know you'll find a way to put it right. Watch out! Hey, Parker. This could be the end of Spider-Man. I need your help. We have to forgive each other for everything we ever were will mean nothing. Now who's sweeping legs, motherfucker? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm like, is this on anybody else's list? Um, Damn it, my number one. <laughs> oh, I'd cry. Uh, <laughs> a lot lower for you than I expected, actually. So Originally, my whole list was just Spider-Man. It should be. Uh, again, I, you can tell you can tell in this film where the, the studio got in the way. Oh, yeah. Underneath all that is a pretty great film. Um, I'll, I'll still defend Dancing Peter Parker till the day I die. Me too. Dig on this. Um because I think what people miss in that, and uh, Raimi kind of lets you in a little bit um, after the Sandman is born and he's walking through uh, Manhattan. Which, can we just say real quick that the Sandman being born was one of the most incredible visual sequences we'd seen at that time. And oh, like, yeah. still, like It still holds it, up pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty good now, but th- at the time you were like, holy shit, he got a motion out of sand. And, uh, Sorry, what, I didn't mean to No, no, you're that fine. Was such and a cool what, what disappointed me is I went and looked. There is no um, score for this film available. Really? Like, you have to get the soundtrack, and it only has, like, three oh, or four, yeah. like, uh, bits of score from the film, and the rest is, like, music inspired by wasn't, Spider-Man. Wasn't that true of Spider-Man 1, though? No, Spider-Man 2 released okay. two of them. I know Spider-Man 2 had two. I thought Spider-Man yeah. 1 only no, had, had two the soundtrack. Well. Who oh, did okay. the music for three? It wasn't El- Elfman, was it? No, no it was, uh, I don't remember. Was it James Newton Howard? Mm. You can talk about more stuff while I look it up. Thanks. Okay. Uh, so, I think people... Missed some points. So the, after the Sandman's born, if you remember, he has a hard time keeping together. So the next time we see the Sandman, he's walking down Manhattan and the camera shakes and doesn't stay on him because he's fighting to stay together. Uh, there's little nods like that with that Raimi does that n- makes him my favorite director. Um, he also I, I think the scene where the Sandman does attack the the bank truck and Spider-Man fights him is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the Harry Osborn arc mm-hmm. uh, because he, he's a, such a fascinating villain because he's never really a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Just like in the comics, he's never really a bad guy. He just makes poor choices mm-hmm. uh, and, and sans the horrible, uh, your father was impelled by his own glider exposition. Uh, the one thing the editors cut got right is they got rid of that scene <laughs> and it still works because you understand why he goes and fights because he still cares for Mary Jane. He still cares for Peter Parker. Um, I love Franco in this film. Yeah. And I think, and Franco's such a great, and he actually, his arc with, um, you know, so this movie has a lot in it. I think it's like two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. So in it, he attacks Peter, um, as the new goblin. Um, and he gets amnesia after the fight with Peter. So, he his memory comes back eventually and he attacks Mary Jane. He's like, you're going to do something for me. And so he has Mary Jane break up with Peter. And then Peter meets Harry at the coffee shop 
and he very coldly Dude. says that I'm the other guy. And Peter has this moment. He's like, oh, shit, he's the Green Goblin again. And he, and he looks back and the, <laughs> the waitress says, how's the pie? He's like, so good. I, I love it because he's evil and he's conniving and um, his arc is wonderful. Uh, Venom is tacked on. And I still, I st- uh, people who don't like Venom don't know Spider-Man because that's pretty close to the Venom in the comics. The biggest difference is Eddie Brock is like some bodybuilder guy. Yeah. And I think Topher Grace is fine. I don't, yeah. he, he doesn't not, he's not what makes Venom not good in the film. No. Mm-hmm. The character Venom makes Venom not good in the film. Yeah, Topher yeah. Grace is fine. Uh, so uh, people that really want uh, a Venom movie, I forget, is there a Venom movie coming out? Uh, yeah, it's got Michelle Williams, and it's uh, it's like a little indie romantic comedy. Oh, okay. they, should, they should cast Tom Hardy as Venom. That'd <laughs> yeah. be a good one. He's kind of a bodybuilder, uh, and I think it's I think the movie ends really sweetly, um, where Peter, without saying a line of dialogue, you know, asks <laughs> Mary Jane forgives him for what happened. Um, it, it's it's a really well done movie if you get rid of some of the extra stuff in it. Yeah, um, but like I, I love Peter when he's kind of a bad guy. Peter Parker bad. I mean, not like, you know, killing people, but where how he perceives himself and how he really is. Yeah. And it's augmented by the suit he's wearing. Right. Um, and it, it's it's better than people give it credit for. Mm-hmm. I agree. And so, yeah, that's like, me defending it yet again. There is a yeah. score. Um, Christmas is coming. Music composed by Christopher Young. Oh. Huh. But, yeah, it's... I don't uh, know who that is. Where do you find it? I've, I've looked for it forever. Oh, I'm, I might have. It might not have been released in uh, America because this cover art uh, says movie music from the UK. So, oh, oh interesting. Yeah, that's on my number five. Cool, Zach. Um, my number four. Oh, we're on number four, right? Yeah, number four. Yeah. Uh, my number four is a repeat. It's Grindhouse. Um, mm. this was my. F- that's the most discussed film of this year. Yeah, I know. And rightfully so. It's it's amazing. I um, think this is the first time that a film has been on all five I was lists. just going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, depending on how you interpret it, right? Because Henry yeah. and I did it different, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I My dad took me to see this the weekend it opened, and the poor guy was sick. <laughs> and so we stu- we wa- he watched Planet Terror and held out as long as he could, but when the trailers, the mid-trailers started... He said, like, hey, I've got to go home and, like, go to the bathroom. Can you, like, are you going to be okay here? And I, and I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. And he left, poor guy, vomiting, throwing up and whatnot. And, like, so I, was set, I sat there watching Death Proof alone, um, and, um, and, and, which was kind of, like, risky because I still wasn't, I wasn't 17 yet. And so, like, sure. it, theoretically, I could have gotten booted out of the theater. Um, but um, it didn't happen. I watched the entire thing. Um, I, I'm in, uh, I'm in the in the school of thought that both films are, are are good for what they are. Um, if I had to pick a preference, I'd say Death Proof is my favorite, but I, I enjoy it as a whole experience. That's why I didn't divide them up into two. Yeah. Um, I mean, I there are things about Planet Terror that I love more than Death Proof, and there are a lot of things about Death Proof that I prefer over Planet Terror. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, like, um, where I think Michael Parks is kind of wasted in Planet Terror, I love that he's utilized well in Death Proof. Um, and then, like, kind of vice versa with Rose McGowan, you know, like, although Rose McGowan, like, her participation in both is important for each story they're telling. Um, so, like, uh, but yeah, and, and 
the trailers in the middle were so fucking fun. Thanks, the Thanksgiving trailer is so fucking funny. Um, the werewolf women of the SS one, like again, if you have not seen those types of films, it looks bizarre. But in reality, it's like it's it's just part of that genre. The fact that Nicolas Cage's Fu Manchu in the trailer oh, is I forgot about is that. That was is, so good. It was like it, it it's everything. Um, that he that that Rob that Rob calls back all this stuff and like it got me into watching those films that inspired Tarantino and Rodriguez and whatnot and some of them have genuinely been like films that I'll watch over and over again like I love black exploitation films because I learned more about exploitation films via Grindhouse and then like you start learning the different subgenres and whatnot and like. You know, like you have good gangster gangster exploitation, you have like you know sex exploitation, whatever. I like black exploitation. I think it's a great genre. So, and they don't even touch on it in Grindhouse, and they could have, but they don't. Um, you know, and Machete. Oh God. Uh, three years later, we get a wonderfully entertaining film that I saw way too much in the theater because um, I just wanted to support Danny Trejo being a, an action star for finally like getting the headline billing and everything. Um, and, um, the, the way it opens up with like that crawl, that title crawl, that Rocky cradle title crawl. And instead of like inspirational missing, you're hearing this down and dirty saxophone playing and you hear the grinding of gears and like metal moving against metal. And it's, 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 it's like, Oh God, I shouldn't be watching this. This is so exciting, but I'm watching it and it's so fucking cool. And then it pops up with that go-go dance scene and whatnot. And it's, it sets the tone for everything that this is supposed to be. I almost didn't put this on the list though because the past two weeks have pissed me off so much. I this film unfortunately is they are they proudly put on there, brought to you by your friends at the Weinstein Company, and mm-hmm. now nowadays and it, and that stars seems Rose like McGowan. Yeah, so so nowadays this all seems so shitty, but I can't deny how wonderful this film is mm-hmm. as an experience, um, and the fact that. Uh, it, the fact that it was even made is kind of a miracle. Um, but like, again, like it was tough. Like I kind of wanted to exclude it cause I just didn't want to, I didn't want to pay attention to it, but I couldn't ignore it. So, yeah. um, and it was the first Quentin Tarantino movie I ever saw in a theater. Oh, cool. Cause up till that point it would have been Kill Bill volume two, but they took it from theaters and I saw Anchorman instead. Just as good, but <laughs> not Kill Bill volume two. Yeah. So. But anyway, yeah, Grindhouse, an amazing film. Which and I would, they kept showing it again in theaters, like they would do it in uh, uh, flashback Fridays at Regal, yeah, for five dollars, and I'd go every time it was playing. Like yeah. I, I, I made it a mission to see it as many times as I could in the theater as a whole. Yeah. So, Brad, speaking of the Weinstein Company, uh, this week I saw a trailer for Paddington Two, <sighs> and the Weinstein Company was TWC slash Dimension. Oh on no a, way! A, so yeah, yeah, they're already <laughs> fuck you, Harvey, doing damage control. Yeah, both fuck <clears throat> both of them. They're both they're yeah, they're both terrible. Anywho, uh, Henry, oh, no, Henry no. number four. Um, my number four is a story about immigrants uh, moving, and then once the immigrants get there, a war breaks out. And it's kind of about that war. It's, it has love. It has heartbreak. It has violence. You see it from from the immigrants' perspective, from the civilization perspective, from the government perspective. It's just a beautiful film. Uh, my number four is Transformers. Yes, I knew this was a bit. Got a little surprise for you, son. No, 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 Dad! 
Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, I am. You're not getting a Porsche. <laughs> Let me tell you something, son. A driver don't pick the cars. Mm -mm. The cars pick the driver. It's a mystical bond between man and machine. civilization far superior to our own. Our enemy can take any shape. They could be anywhere. It's a robot. You know, like a super advanced robot. It's probably Japanese. No, 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 no! Are you serious? Uh, Henry, I love you yeah. so much. I love you so much. I this movie is good. This is on your list, Henry. This is a very good movie. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it's on this asshole's list. But, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't put it on my list. I'm not crazy. This high, nonetheless. Nice. I mean, done. I've not been on a Transformers episode with you guys, but I genuinely love all of these films. So. Yeah. Transformers 1 is a solid movie. No, yeah. I mean, like in terms of actual filmmaking, it's probably the best out of all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, Transformers. Storytelling, yeah. Top notch. Top notch. Uh, I mean, you get so many different storylines. It's, it's, I mean, y'all are going to hate that I'm saying this, but this is the, the Independence Day of the 2000s. Uh, like, you have so that's, many storylines happening. Statement. No, I think that's pretty solid, yeah. I mean, except for it's, the fact that, like, Michael Bay makes Roland Emmerich look like, I don't know. Garbage. Somebody whose name no one knows because they only direct episodes of CSI Miami. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like... Brad got a new gig. Oh. Directing CSI Miami. Uh, sorry, I was That's thinking something I else. What did I miss? Uh, yeah, no, no. Transformers 1 is great. Like, it's actually a no, good yeah. story about a boy in his car. No, yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah. And, and I mean, it's like, it's one of these, like, yeah, the later Transformers films, you can tell Michael Bay stopped giving it his all. Yeah. But this film, he genuinely tried his best to make it an actual, like, Michael Bay film. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of have to applaud him for taking a toy franchise about cars who turn into people seriously. Mm -hmm. So, And the, f the first trailer, like, the, the, the teaser trailer for that with the, the curiosity disappearing, um, mm -hmm. 
I was an awesome trailer. Like I was, I became very excited for a Transformer movie because that first trailer was cool. Now, of course, that didn't have anything to do with the movie, but still. No, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's the Transformers films are a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and so of course, I mean, I will say one through four of this list are all five out of five star films. Uh, so it, it was hard to figure out which place this would go, but it's my number four. Remember that sequence where there's like a 40 ton transformer sneaking around a house? Yeah. And no That's the sequel. <laughs> That's the sequel. I wasn't sold on the film until someone told no, no, me, no. yeah, they talk about masturbation and then John Turturro gets a golden shower. And that's when I was like, I'm on board. Let's do this. Yep. What? Yeah. I don't remember any of this. I remember Bumblebee trying to hide behind a bird bath. Yes. And then there's a scene with while they're hiding in the uh, house. Um, it's like Shia LaBeouf's trying to find something in his room and whatnot. And uh, the glasses, because the glasses the, have the, the, the key gla- to everything. The glasses, oh, yeah, that's right. But he's keeping the door locked. And then the parents shit. open the door and they think he's been masturbating. And then it becomes this awkward minute and a half scene about like, well, it's okay to jerk off or whatever. A boy should have his privacy. Yeah. Um, Wait. What? Yeah. Oh, all I don't remember is, this. No. <laughs> oh, all God. of that is in that movie. Yeah. I remember you, might not, you guys might not like this, but I will tell you this right now. Freshman year last year, they showed Transformers in one of my film classes to show good storytelling. So. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. <sighs> Education's going downhill. They're trolling country. you, right? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. They're trolling <laughs> you, right? <laughs> like, ah, he's paying a lot of money for this class. <laughs> let's, let's screw with him. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I'm glad that you I, like it. Henry. I'm I'm with you. These guys just don't appreciate how good early Kurtzman and Orsi was. They just don't I like the art. first one. Yeah, <laughs> on HD DVD. You do <laughs> in the sweet maroon burgundy. So I can't watch it. Unwatchable Jesus. medium. It's it's I I I didn't hate it when it came out, but I I, I, I it, its problems became apparent to me after I watched it. Uh, I've never been a fan. I, I've never seen the second one. The only reason I saw the third one is because oh. we do this podcast. Mm. Yeah, the second one's like the worst one. Uh, second second, one. Yeah, don't see the second one. I'll say that as a huge Ooh. as a huge Transformers fan, don't see the second one. Yeah, the second one is really bad, and the fourth one is really bad. I, well, I like the, the third fourth one's the one of the best ones. Excuse yourself. What? Say that again. The fourth Henry? one's amazing. Excuse yourself. No, the whole last sequence, the whole end of that movie takes place from inside a car. There's like, a scene still- where Mark Wahlberg gets out of the thing. You see an entire like long shot that's a close up of Bud Light on the ground, which somehow has ice in it. He that's picks true. up one of the Bud Lights, opens it, and goes, "I need a Bud." It's yeah, the best where, scene of that entire. That's film. where this franchise became Resident Evil. Like, like in the sequels, this 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 the franchise became Resident Evil. This is. This is maybe the Resident Evil 3. Uh, Transformers <laughs> 1 is the Resident Evil 3 of the Transformers franchise. Like, mm. the story is pretty solid. The ridiculous moments are palatable, like when an Xbox turns into a Transformer or when a Mountain Dew vending machine turns into a Transformer and shoots a v- Mountain Dew into somebody's crotch. <laughs> Wait, no. Okay, I have the reason, and Henry, you'll agree with me. <coughs> this movie is easily great because of the phrase, bring the rain, and how cool the military is in this film. It's no, yeah. really great. Its jingoism is on par. It's really wonderful. This film is wonderful. Good job, Henry. I'm so glad. I'm proud of you. My favorite you. line in the film is John Turturro going, she's a criminal. Criminals are hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't remember Henry, any the of creepiest this. fucking way imaginable. He- Henry, I'm high-fiving you from across the country. Oh, that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad, you're number four? Five. Four. four. No, four. Uh-oh. Did you do your number five? Yeah, you did. It was a repeat. Yeah, well. You did Grindhouse. My number four is a repeat. It is Hot Fuzz. Oh. Um, 
yeah uh fun movie i love edgar wright um like you said it's a great send up to a genre while also being an entry into it uh lots of fun um probably my third favorite of the cornetto trilogy but uh so your least favorite of the cornetto trilogy <laughs> well you don't yes. want to say it that way that sounds bad yeah. third favorite just reminds you how good they all are yeah they're all great yeah uh, they're all great I, I um i guess which is weird to say is like michael bay action movies aren't like my favorite thing so doing an homage to them is doesn't do a lot for it's me better written though but yeah it's it's it makes it's smarter than those movies right um it, oh yeah, it is. I guess the mm-hmm. whole like surprise of the town being taken over by a cult, basically, mm-hmm. uh, just wasn't an awesome ending to me. I guess, but it was for the greater um, good, Brad. You you you've got to see Mikey review it. I think you'll yeah yeah because when he talks about that thing and there's an argument about the fact that the the movie is is making real police work cool in a way that action movies at the time were actually making like police work shitty and terrible. Um, anyway, you, you'll see it's, I it's think it's cause like for the whole movie, I'm like actually invested in the mystery. Yeah. And then the ending is like, I do appreciate that. Oh, everybody's in on it and not right. just one guy. Like that's cool. But I guess it's just like a bunch of old people who <laughs> yeah. hate other people coming to their town. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It's almost like for baby driver. I'm like unsatisfied that John Hamm is the ultimate villain and not, Kevin Spacey, but at oh, the same time, see, I'm like love that. the guy you expected to be the villain is not him. So, yeah. it, like, I it's this weird duality that I can't yeah reconcile. But yeah. anyway, cool, cool. It's a good one, James. Uh, my number four is a repeat. My number four is Juno. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I adored this movie when it came out. I thought the dialogue was great, um, and it uh, it sparked my my fandom of Jason Reitman. Um, so yeah, it's great. So it is great. Uh, my number four is also a repeat. My number four is super bad. Oh, gangster, gangster, what? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, uh, I just love everything about this movie. It's uh, so many quotable moments. Uh, it gave us a lot of famous actors, like Zach said. Um, I just had fun with it, and it's uh, a lot of these movies I saw with this Yahoo over here. So this is we saw this at. Uh, the Harkins. The Harkins. And, uh, yeah. With your cousin? Yeah, at Northfield. Oh, so yeah, midnight or something. Yeah. So it was fun. And I still watch it this day. Watch it all the time. And I still laugh. I think we had a late shift and we like rushed all the oh, way out we there. Because it was the only midnight showing of it. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And we really wanted to see it. And, and we almost didn't. No, we, we, got we barely made it. I love that movie. Cool. That's a yeah. good one. Zach, number three. Um... My number three, um, I have many different ways to introduce them, but all of them will be terrible and lame. Uh, my number three is There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight. I couldn't get away sooner because my new well was coming in at Coyote Hills and I had to see about it. Ladies and gentlemen, if I say I'm an oil man, you will agree. I'm a family man. I run a family business. This is my son and my partner, H.W. Plainview. You boys are a regular family business. Now, you have a great chance here. My son is a healer and a vessel for the Holy Spirit. He has a church. And you will be cast up and thrust back to perdition. I'm fixed like no other company in this field. I have 
the string of tools ready to put to work. That's why I can guarantee to start drilling and to put up the cash to back my word. I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what the others promise to do, when it comes to the showdown, they won't be there. of oil under our feet. No one can get at it except for me. We'll offer 150000 for full title. When do we get our money, Daniel? I look at people and I see nothing worth liking. Don't bully me, Daniel, please! I see the worst in people. We have a sinner with us. Get out of here, devil! I have a competition in me. I want no one else to succeed. can't keep doing this on my own. With these, um, people. So I thought you would have put the shitty movie higher. Mm. <laughs> I, I think me and you are the only ones who thinks this movie is shitty. Oh, this movie. No, is, I will. Hey, I'll say as a PTA fan, I don't like this film. Yeah, don't piss him off. There will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, um, that's how you tell a joke. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I did not know who Paul Thomas Anderson was when this movie came God, you're out. You're so fucking young. Fuck you. Seriously. No, I, well, I had been watching Magnolia repeatedly for years <laughs> by this point. I, 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 well, and I know I didn't watch Magnolia at that point because, like, I just always laughed at Magnolia as that joke in Chainsaw and Pop Strike Back with Magnolia fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and always read the story about Kevin running into PTA at a doctor's office. Mm, but, that's um, a good one. uh, this film, what sold me was the trailer because I was, it was Daniel Day Lewis, um, and I loved Gangs of New York. A lot, like, because that was my introduction. Well, there's to your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And um, I love Gangs of New York, despite James not liking Martin Scorsese. Uh, that has nothing to do with liking Martin Scorsese or not. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but so Poor Zach. the trailer, the trailer sold me in like it felt bizarre. Like it was like it was just this monologue. Showing like some sections and whatnot, but like the monologue wasn't making sense to me. I wasn't sure exactly like what yep. am I watching here, so I was like, well, I guess I'll just have to watch it. Wait, are you talking I'll... about the movie or the yeah, trailer? The trailer. Like, the you're trailer. Just, you're describing the movie to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Zach. It's just so easy. The trailer. I'm sorry. The trailer did that to me, and I'm like, well, I don't know exactly what's going on here, other than like he seems like he's an oil person, so I'll go to this movie. <coughs> um, and it came out like the following year because it was like in that limited release at the Mayan and yeah. then it expanded. Yeah. And then it hit the now uh, horrible landmark Greenwood Village Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so but that's where my dad and I saw it. And it was one of the first times in a theater where I had to sit down and like really watch, what, like pay attention to everything. Because nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of stuff happens. 
Lots of stuff happens. Y'all are just haters. So since we derailed you already, does your dad like these movies that you take him to? Yeah, he does. He does? Oh, well, I like how you said your dad essentially like? dumped you for Grindhouse. He loves Coen Brothers movies. loves Old Brother Art mm. a lot. That's like his his go-to film. That's a great movie. He also likes Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Home Alone, Shrek. Nice. You know, he loves them all. I was just curious. Yeah. Because I didn't know if you like forced him to take you to these movies. <laughs> no, he wanted to see it. Huh. Yeah. So. Cool. Um, but so like I think that. In spite of what you guys might think, I think Daniel Day-Lewis is captivating enough for me as a viewer going in to just hold the movie for the most part. Rewatching it this week, I understand where people have issue with it, but I guess I just don't. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> um, there are it's it's very episodic. I will I I can definitely admit to that like it it does go from moment to moment there's the the any through line that's in the film really relies on eli and daniel plainview and their relationship and even then it disconnects at times because you have the subplot with the brother this film but this film like holds my attention and in a way that films don't always do um like but like and the same thing would be for the master where i'm like he, I don't know why, but he's able to hold my attention. And part of it's the subject matter. Part of it's the way he gets his actors to do what he wants them to do. Um, I, the film is, uh, is got a great set piece on a minimalistic scale. Like the the oil derrick exploding is an amazing set piece. Yeah, um, one of those set pieces that for me rivals like or at least like matches itself with the burning of Atlanta in Gone with the Wind or like the chariot scene in Ben-Hur like it's a set piece that it 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 at least matches itself with them um i i can't say if it rivals it because then you'd have to watch them all in a row and kind of make your own call the final scene in the movie is one of my favorite things i've ever seen it's real good because of like it's not the milkshake line um it's after he like um, throws Eli to the ground and just starts running at him with a fucking bowling pin and just like smashes his fucking head in, and I, I there's a genuine look of shock on my face when I'm seeing this in the theater because I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like I knew he was crazy, but like this is just nuts. And then his butler comes downstairs and his butler says, Mister Plainview, and then all of a sudden like he's breathing heavily and he's over this dead Paul Dano body and he's just like, I'm finished. And then it cues a Brom. I think it's not some Brom. It's 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 a court it's it's a concerto of some kind um, that was played earlier in the film and it's just like I, something about like the music that plays over the result of this horrible action was just like jarring to my mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand why I was like exhilarated the way I was. Cut to a month later, I turn seventeen. I can go see any R-rated movie in the theater that I want to because I now have the the ability to. I went and saw There Will Be Blood on my birthday because <laughs> I was like, I got to watch it again. Like, I, I got to watch that guy do the thing with the bowling pin. And, and then he talks about milkshakes. And, yes, it's kind of confusing because who, who has a straw that long? But he does it, and it's amazing, and I love this film. And um, this and my number two toss back and forth for me about which one's better than the other. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with where it is here because what comes next is um, – We'll talk about it. Yeah. So anyway, there will be blood. Um, don't need to have a milkshake when you're watching it, but it could be fun. I don't know if I'd call twelve dollars for all you can eat popcorn and soda horrible. 
<laughs> I said now horrible. When it was yeah. when it was first there, it was great, and now it's it's garbage. Yeah, it's not a great. No, thing. that still sounds pretty great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, popcorn's not that good, and uh, staff's kind of shitty. Fight me. I'm still waiting to see the film that there will be blood is all of the deleted scenes from because I think that this movie looks beautiful, but I find it weird that this, I, I think I agree. The film looks amazing and Robert Elswit won this Oscar for cinematography for this year. Um, I don't think he deserved it. Should have been Deacons. It should have been Deacons for Robert Ford or another movie um, involving a coin toss, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Henry? Uh, my number three. Uh, I'm surprised it hasn't shown up because it's one that I was pretty sure was going to show up on your guys' list. Maybe It might show up later, but uh, my number three is Gone Baby Gone. Elaine puts her to bed. She goes across to Dottie's, then she comes home, and Amanda is gone. Who would take my little girl? She never hurt anybody. A four-year-old child is on the street. If we don't catch the abductor by day one, only about 10% are ever solved. This is day three. Do you know people in the neighborhood who don't talk to the police? One or two. We want to hire you to augment the investigation. I just want my daughter back. It's all right, we're gonna find her. You have to promise me. I promise. <laughs> you ever investigated an abduction before? I think Mr. McCready was hoping that we could help with the neighborhood aspect of this investigation. Half the guys you know are degenerates. And you know what the other half are? What? Cops. Don't hold it against me. Guess who? You asked me to find some people for you. I think I found them. So you're saying you didn't do it? Fine. If it turns out you're lying, I'm gonna bribe cops to go after you, and I'm gonna tell everyone I know that you're a CI and a rat. And I know a lot of people. At least two guns in the house. What else? Squad will be here in five minutes. Not gonna wait for them? We're not waiting. Lied to me. I can't think of one reason big enough for him to lie. It's small enough not to matter. You gotta think long and hard before you start running around here investigating the police. Let it go. Come in here trying to get noble, boy. And don't try to take on something you don't have the shoulders for. You gotta take a side. If you beat a child, you're not on my side. If you see me coming, you better run because I'm gonna lay you down. This child, it's all I care about. I'm going to bring her home. Tell him I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Tell Marsh! What did you do? Where I come from, you die with your secrets. This is the kind of thing that if you do, Patrick, you want to be sure. Are you sure? No. tried that was, it was, a good movie. It was at number 10 for a little bit but then i remembered how much i love spider pig <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. yeah gone be gone it was uh ben affleck's first directorial film uh i don't think it's his best film but i think it's definitely one of maybe number two in my mind uh, it's a strong start out the gate <laughs> oh yeah well i mean it helps that he's been <laughs> um but uh yeah it just tells uh, casey affleck uh plays a detective and uh he and so casey affleck essentially starts investigating the disappearance of this child and it kind of, I mean, I love myself a good mystery, and this is a good ass mystery. Uh, it is, and I think like the ending, like kind of, it doesn't. You wouldn't, you don't see it coming, but at the end, there is this moral dilemma that he faces that isn't really hinted at in the, the rest of the film. 
But the ending ha definitely has this moral dilemma that I think is very interesting that I, to this day, I still think about. I saw this film, like, probably five years ago now. Uh, but yeah, I just love the film. I think it's definitely one of Ben Affleck's strongest roles. Uh, two Casey Affleck films on my list. Uh, too bad he's also apparently a horrible person. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but yeah, and Michelle Ma uh, Monaghan's in it, too, and she's amazing. Yeah, uh, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I just good. love it. I'm, I'm actually kind of genuinely surprised it didn't show up on your because I felt like this was kind of like right up your guys' wheelhouse. So it is good. It yeah. is a good movie. Yeah, I do like me yeah. some Affleck, directed by Batfleck, and I still like m me some Boston Affleck because mm -hmm. that's when he's really on. That's <laughs> when he doesn't have to try so hard. Oh shit, Boston! Yeah, <laughs> cool. is the only film that Ben Affleck's made that he's not acting as well. So yeah, it's it. It is. It, I mean, I guess if. My first time directing, I don't think I'd want to act in it as well. Yeah, maybe, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, maybe he's like, I want to see if I can do this. Yeah. yeah. And at the time, he was just coming off of Hollywoodland, so he was slowly getting uh, a new lease on life. Yeah, that's right. This was He was like basically trying to rebuild his career. After J-Lo. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right, man. Cool. Jennifer Lopez. That's a good pick. And nice job, Burritos and tacos. He hit an all-time J-Lo. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That was good. Yes. Uh, Brad? So my number three, uh, I, I made it. I, I can uh, reveal this one without, yeah. Uh, my number three, I think, is a lot of fun. And uh, damn it. I had a thing I was going to say about it, and I just spaced it because, yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking so fast. Uh, my number three you is great, Live Brad. Free or Die Hard. Oh. Mm. Good job. I'm doing America a favor. Is the country willing to pay for it? FAA just issued a critical alert. The entire network went down. Transportation system's crashing and they just hit the entire financial sector. You have no idea who you're dealing with. I'll take it from here. You just killed a helicopter with a car! I was out of bullets. First off, check in. Hold on a minute. Looks like he's coming around. You see that? Yes, I thought I did it. Hang on. Officer McLean, I need you to behave. Daddy. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go kill this guy and get my daughter. Or go get my daughter and kill this guy. Or kill all of them. Hey, you big shit! Did you want to say something? Bring a cop into my command center. <laughs> command center. It's a basement. Who is this man? 
Yeah, I I know this is taking the uh, one guy in a extraordinary situation, ordinary guy in an extraordinary situation to its extreme, at least until a good day to die hard. He's a uh, superhero in this movie. He is a superhero in this movie, but I think it's tons of fun. And, so good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Ola Fantastic is a pretty decent. Oh, so good. Uh, I love that guy. we still call him Ola Fantastic. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Because <laughs> he's you? great. Um, yeah, and the, I, the, I think the plot's pretty solid for like a modern Die Hard movie. Because mm-hmm. um, I think the last one was 93. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things, too, where you miss <laughs> someone like Bruce Willis having fun. Yeah. Because, you know, f- for a while there, he's doing serious stuff or. Uh, Taking himself way too seriously, and at the end of the day, he said, "Dude, why don't you just jump on jets and like shoot people?" And yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, I mean, e- easily the third best Die Hard movie. I mean, I could see an argument for even better because it is so much fun. Um, yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I heard uh, Len Wiseman <laughs> got an ulcer. Oh yeah, oh, really? In that movie, like it really oh, broke him. Poor guy, um, because Bruce Willis yeah. reportedly reportedly. Is not easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Oh no, Bruce Willis is an asshole. I met him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Fuck that guy, then. Dick. What? Another, <laughs> another real thing? Another no. Kevin Smith appearance, and it also spawned a great lead up to then a really shitty situation for Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it's funny because it, yeah, this is this TMNT and Catch and Release um, that he's in this year. Yeah, he had a yeah. busy acting with Olo Fantastic. Yeah, with, wow. yeah, with Olo Fantastic. Great acting, Kevin. <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead gets to do some like non-damsel yeah. in distress type thingies, which mm-hmm. is fun. Yeah, setting up maybe the most disappointing thing about Die Hard fo- Five. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this character Man. that <laughs> this character is great. Let's oh, Justin, replace we're not even with talking about Justin Long in this movie. <gasps> yeah, Justin Long is great. Yeah, oh, the Walrus. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> And I don't know if you remember, it was supposed to be rated R, and like at the last minute, they changed it to PG-13. <laughs> and there's obvious cuts yeah. <laughs> in the PG-13 mm-hmm. release to take out all the swear words. So they I was they like, really should have just released an R version on Blu-ray just for our own edification. Yeah, yeah. They even released an unrated version, which does put it back in, but it's like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But still, like the R- like unrated is really clunky. Yeah. yeah. The I remember like you had to... like. I think it was like you had to pay the extra for the two disc ultimate edition that had the mm-hmm. uh, unrated cut in it and yeah. whatnot. And it was, I mean, it didn't look really cool with my other diehard collection that I had. Mm-hmm. That was like the three discs and then the bonus disc. So yeah. I was upset. It's <laughs> great. It's like, I'm really glad you got this on the list. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad I got to introduce it. I was yeah. worried. Yeah. James? Me. Um, my number three is a movie none of you were going to put on your list. Uh, Flipper 2? But it's definitely on my list <laughs> and not just because it's about space. Uh, my number three is Sunshine. Our sun is dying. Mankind faces extinction. Earth frozen in a solar winter. 16 months ago, our last best hope left Earth purpose to create a star within a star we have a payload to deliver to the heart of our nearest star that star is dying and if it dies everything dies there is nothing literally nothing more important than completing our mission 
Sensors out there are burned out. Only way we're gonna know is if we go out there. Okay, Chris. I'm gonna be taking control here for a while. Yes, Cassie. I'm gonna be rotating us so the damage is facing away from the sun. Do we understand each other? Yes, Cassie. Establishing new alignment to sun. See the damaged panels. You can do it? Yeah. We can do it. Woo! Ship's moving. Manual flight controls removed. What? Negative, Icarus negative. State reason immediately. Fire in oxygen garden. Steel sections five through nine. Returning vessel to original rotation. They're gonna burn up. Kaneda, Kappa, get back to the airlock now. Shield in full sunlight. Captain! Kaneda! A large amount of O2 was burned in the fire. We do not have enough oxygen reserves to get us to our payload delivery point. There's something else, too. There was no malfunction on the airlock hardware. The airlock was decoupled manually. There's enough oxygen to get us to the payload delivery point. Everybody get here now! There just isn't enough to get all of us there. Warning. You are dying. All crew are dying. We know we're dying. As long as we can live long enough to deliver the payload. You will not live long enough to deliver the payload. Please clarify. We have remaining oxygen to keep four crew alive. Affirmative. There are only four crew members. Negative. Yeah, so this is one of those. Yeah, this is one of those movies that like I saw in theaters and was like, that was weird. And then I've (laughs) I've thought about it for ten years now. Um, There's so many cool moments, and it's not. It doesn't work perfectly. Um, You know, I think for some people, you know, 
you're going to watch it, think it's a really interesting sci-fi movie, and then when it turns into a bizarre space horror, you're going to be like, this is off-putting. Um, but I think at its core, this story about um, going and rebooting the sun and uh, a lot of the sort of themes and motifs that are there and, and this whole discussion, I will say I wholeheartedly believe that this is a movie about you know going and trying to touch God. Um I think it's it's fantastic and I've watched it so many times. Um it's just really interesting. I like to take a movie that is a pretty simple little sci-fi horror film and add a lot of, you know, deep conversation in there is is uh a treat. And so I mean, yeah, all of my top 5 could easily be my number 1 for this year, but um this is definitely one that's that's very close to my heart. So uh yeah, people should see Sunshine. I think this is the first time I'm aware of Danny Boyle. Oh yeah. Um, in a way, well, twenty eight days later, I guess. But like, yeah. he he wasn't he wasn't in my peripheral. And yeah. then next year, Slumdog Millionaire comes out, and it's just like breakout right. hit. And everybody and knows who he is. Start now. going back. Yeah. Because I didn't think I saw Train Spotting until next the next year. Yeah. So. Um, or millions. Also, one of my favorite scores of the last twenty years. I well, think that's a good score. Yeah. Um, the film score is just beautiful. I think the score they ended up using in like a ton of trailers. Oh, they after do. That. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It pops up all the time. Chris Evans is um, in this film, isn't he? Yes, he yeah, is. That's right. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Every performance in this movie is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Kelly and Murphy is just great. And the long conversations they have about, like, the moral dilemmas they you know that they're put in where, I mean, the scene, the scene where the, uh, the one woman comes and says, like, hey, we don't have enough oxygen for all of us. Um, like, we have enough, but we would need to have one fewer person. And they have this like argument about whether or not they should kill the guy who is responsible for for everything that's gone wrong. Um, it's a rough and interesting sequence, and all all those conversations that they have, especially maybe my favorite one is the the scene where they they're debating whether or not they should go try to to hook up with the Icarus One. Um, is just this great sort of ethical question that is is really interesting. So anyway, yeah, I think it's totally worth checking out. So, yeah, it's it's past my number ten. Uh, yeah, but like I remember being, like being so into it up until it turns into a monster movie. I f- yeah, I like, figured what it <laughs> is. It, it almost feels like did the studio step in because they thought what we were watching was boring. Yeah, I was uh, I was not bored. <laughs> my oh my biggest beef with the movie, and I don't even think it's this is said, but in like the. In the description on IMDb, you'll see that it's technically set in, like, 2051. And even then I saw it, I was like, you guys, this is not 50 years in the future. Come on, please. But uh, still, yeah, I, I love this movie. So, Cool. Ryan? Uh, every once in a while, a movie slips through the cracks, and it's discovered, and people are like, well, how did this slip through the cracks? Because it's an amazing movie. Uh, and because this genre is really hard to sell, not only is it a horror film, but it's an anthology and anthologies, for some reason, never really do well. Uh, I'm talking, of course, of Trick or Treat. During the spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. <laughs>
and all sorts of things. Roam free. Sorry. All these traditions. Wait, wait. What? You're supposed to keep it lit. Why? Ancient tradition? Putting on costumes. I look like I'm five. You look great. What do we do now? We meet our dates. Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are we here? To pay our respects to the dead? The Halloween school bus massacre. They started to protect us, but... Morning, guys. How are you doing down there? Hiding bodies? Nowadays, no one really cares. This one's the lit. What is that? It's them. Oh my god. Look at me. It's not a trick. It's real. Tonight is about respecting the customs, not breaking them. Right. Uh, Trick or Treat uh, came out in December of 2007. Under very interesting circumstances. (laughs) It sat on the shelf for a year because they didn't know what to do with it. And then they just dumped it on DVD. Um, But it tells a story. uh, uh, Michael Daughtry is the writer-director. And he... Dougherty. Dougherty, thank you. Um, Is Justin Terrio in this movie? Maybe. (laughs) 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 Um, anyways, it tells the story of Sam, who's this little, like, imp, pumpkin head guy, and it connects with people breaking rules on Halloween, and uh, one deals with a teacher that kills children. Uh, and poisons the candy. And poisons the candy. It also deals with um, uh, werewolves, uh, who, who's the victim and who really is mm-hmm. not the victim. It's great. It's, mm-hmm. It turns the genre on its head. Uh, and then, uh, then it's a uh, ghost story about these kids who die in a bus accident. And then the last one is the wrap up with Sam yeah. and uh, Brian and Brian Cox, Cox yeah. uh, a guy who doesn't like Halloween and doesn't like handing out candy. So Sam terrorizes him. It's really great, really clever. Hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should if because um, he went on to do X-Men movies and Superman Returns. He's he's a, he's a Brian Singer's friend. And so Brian Singer also produced this film. Hmm. Uh, and he's, I forget what he's doing right now, but uh, is he doing a Godzilla movie? I think he's doing a Godzilla movie. And oh, the new one? The, the yeah. yeah. Is that him? Maybe. Maybe he's doing the fight. I can't remember. But he's uh, he's kind of like a big guy who kind of hangs out and he loves the horror genre. Yeah. And he wants to come back and do Trick or Treat too. Cool. Um, so I would, if you want to see a good anthology film, I'd definitely check this one out. Perfect time of year for it, too. It is. At Comic-Con that year, like at the WB booth, they were the only big screen screenings they they were doing leading up to that release were like at the con that year. Mm-hmm. They like really like war. I I don't know why, but Warner Brothers really didn't know exactly what to do with I it. I think it's a hard sell right? because the tone of it is really weird. 
mm-hmm. where it is kind of funny, but it's also pretty horrific. I mean, there's lots of violence in it. D- Dylan Baker's um, yeah. monologue with the kid while the kid's dying is really off-putting. Yeah. It's good. It, it's, it's, it, 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 it's just it's, it's a bizarre movie. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what they ran into. Like, well, it, I, and sometimes horror films, you just don't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And this one is more of a horror comedy anthology. So it's already kind of like pushing the edge of because even i mean the the tag scene with the little sam monster kid like he doesn't kill anybody mm-hmm. he just like really punishes brian cox <laughs> and uh, it's not shit the computer, so yeah uh definitely if you're in the mood for a halloween film uh trick-or-treat's one of my favorites mm-hmm. cool check it out nice pick zach um, my number two. Can I say it? <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. My number two is No Country for Old Men. Let me ask you something. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. Just call it friendo. What's in the satchel? Full of money. He's just a guy who happened to find my money. I got a bad feeling, Llewellyn. Well, it's a mess, ain't it, Sheriff? If it ain't, it'll do till the mess gets here. I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. You go up to his trailer? Yes. Do you want to leave a message? Yes. I don't come back and tell mother I love her. Your mother's dead. Well, then I'll tell her myself. I've got a loose cannon here. You think this boy Moss has got any notion of the sorts of dead are hunting him? I don't know. He ought to. He's seen the same things I've seen, and it certainly made an impression on me. Just how dangerous is it? Compared to what? The bubonic plague? The crime you see now, it's hard to even take its measure. It's just all out war. You can't stop what's coming. What's this guy supposed to be, the ultimate badass? You don't understand. Oh, mine too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, you were asking the question earlier, like, does I'm my like dad the- like the films mm. that I take him to go see? He loves the Coen Brothers. He's the one who got me into them. Mm. But he did not know that this was directed by the Coen Brothers until I told him about it, and then we knew we had to go. And we went to the Regency again off of the Hamden because that was like the one of the only places it was playing mm-hmm. at the time. And um, we're in a small theater. Um, and the, in, the, the that ended up being an advantage because that movie is strangely intimate. Um, oh yeah, 
with the Coens, I've maintained that from my perspective, they haven't made a terrible film. Um, I don't. I even I know Intolerable Cruelty doesn't have its fans, but, but I it's still tolerable. Think it, 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 <laughs> it is unlike the title. It's tolerable. Um, what I love about the Coens is they can take any genre. And you know it's them. Mm-hmm. Their camera and the way they shoot things makes them immediately identifiable. And then if it, and if the camera is not getting you, it's the dialogue. Oh, yeah. um, this film, when I the first time I saw it, I, I I couldn't process it fully because it was a type of filmmaking I wasn't used to. Because um, I don't think I'd seen Barton Fink at this point. I don't think I had seen uh, Miller's Crossing. Uh, or Blood Simple or anything like that. Like, I knew Cohen's for comedy. Mm. Uh, like, La- Lady Killers three years prior was, like, one of my favorite things in the world, man. You have no idea. And so with No Country for Old Men, one, Javier Bardem in this film is, like, it, it, I'm not used to him. I didn't know who he was. So he looked menacing from the get-go. Um, especially with – because I didn't – I don't think I'd watched a movie with him prior to this. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, like when I'm seeing him top build in, in a movie, I'm like, well, he's going to be the main character. He's not really in it that much. Um, he's like, he's a third, he's a third, third wheel to a degree. Um, even though he's a very important part of how that movie concludes. Um, and then Josh Brolin, I, I don't think I'd seen the Goonies at this point. So this was <laughs> my first Josh Brolin movie. <laughs> how, how, how did you feel about into the blue with Jessica Alba? Did you see that? I never saw that. All right. Then it might be. Yeah. So, um, was Jonah Hex after this? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, cause this so, was the year Transformers was out. Mm. So other than Tommy Lee Jones and Woody Harrelson and Steven Root, like I knew who Steven Root was yeah, cause, but he's in one scene or two. Yeah. Well, you no, know, he's in two technically. Yeah. Um, one scene he's talking and the other one he's not. Um, so it kind of felt new to me. It was an area that was appropriately making me feel uncomfortable with the situation. And so therefore allowed me to run along with the Llewellyn Moss character um, uh, in a way that I probably wouldn't have if I had recognized these people or known who they were. Um, the scene in the motel where... He hides the money in the um, uh, air vent, and it, like it, it, it. When I first saw it, I didn't realize how uncomfortable I was in it until rewatching it again and again and again. My conclusion on No Country for Old Men: It's not the only thing this movie is, but it is one of them. This is a very good horror movie. Um, you have to look at it through a lens that. That it's 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 hard to sell because it doesn't have normal horror tropes that are visible on the surface. You have to look at the way it's being paced. You have to look at the way Deacons is shooting the film. You have to look at the way they're they're cutting the film. Like the Coens are really good editors. Um, that Roderick Janus guy, great guy, probably should get get an Oscar so that we can see what he really looks like. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, so. But it plays out like a horror movie to a degree with Anton Sugar being your slasher. But it can't qualify fully as that because it's also asking a lot of, like, dark questions. Not nihilistic, dark questions. Um, And James and I have had this talk before about is this film nihilistic, is it not? Because it'd be easy to label it that because of who its author is of the original source material and the way he speaks his mind um the ending to this film confused the shit out of me 
because it was the first time I really ever watched a movie with an ambiguous ending, like like a very open ended. It's not meant to have a satisfying conclusion. It's meant to leave you in that space. It has such a sense. And the fact that for the majority of this film, there is if there's any music, it's atmospheral at best. So when we finally get to the end of the film, one, I'm surprised. Two, I'm confused. And three, I was like, what happened to the Soggy Bottom Boys? So like this being like a different type of Cohen for me was very important, and it shaped a lot of how... I would go on to view their filmography from there on out. Um, it's very important film. Um, my dad's not the biggest fan of this film. He likes it. He appreciates it, but he likes a different type of Cohen. Like he likes Cohen. That's goofy. Like he loves Hail Caesar. So like th this is where I'm able to kind of like, this is my entry point into being able to balance two types of Cohen and being totally fine with them. So it's a wonderful film and I, I'm glad it won, uh, the Oscar that it did like the Oscars mm -hmm. that it did. Cause it was very important. I do wish that, um, Josh Bowen had won for best supporting actor, um, to, to a certain extent. Cause I think his character is a little more dynamic than sugar, but sugar is so menacing and so terrifying that he steals the show in the same way that maybe a Christoph Waltz does in inglorious bastards. So you it's a wonderful film. Like like same thing with Christoph Waltz. It was the first time that America had truly seen Javier Bardem. Mm -hmm. And so it was a yeah. good, it was like just the introduction, the shock of him, I think really helped his chances at the Oscars. Um, and, and it's interesting, mean, interestingly enough, this film came out the same year as Vicky Cristina Barcelona, I believe with yeah. Javier Bardem and nobody like, I don't think anybody made a connection at all. So, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting to know that like this other film that he did, is not really talked about because this other film that he did is so. Henry, say something. He's gonna go on forever. <laughs> okay, so uh, so uh, the reasons why I like uh, New Country for Old Men. Sorry, Zach. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I mean, I think Zach did a really good job of kind of explaining like the essay of No Country for Old Men. Uh, one thing I, th I like about it is that like I think it's the only time that I can. I looked up their filmography. It's the only film that they've made that's ex that there's no comedy in. Like, they have bleak films as well, but every other film has comedy in it. Like, Inside Llewyn Davis is a very bleak film, but it's, it's a very bleak comedy. Uh, whereas there's there's no humor in this film. If you look at <laughs> it, there's no I, music in this there, film. There's no in, I don't think there's any intentional humor in this I was going to say, there is one funny moment when when his mother-in-law is, is uh, gets out of the car and, like, the, the, the cartel guy comes over to talk to her, and she's like... What do I have to do in El Paso? Ah, and she—it's the woman from uh, from Donnie Darko. Everything mm -hmm. that woman says in the movie is hilarious to me. I think it's great, but I agree with you. I don't think it's intentional. I think it's just a, a <laughs> yeah. great performance from a good character actor. I forget at the end. Does Tommy Lee Jones actually say like, "This is no country for old men"? No, no he doesn't. <laughs> but someone else does. Oh, that's yeah. actually a line in the movie. No, yeah, um, no, he doesn't. No, it's never said. Oh. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just—I think it's like it's one. Of, it's also like. Uh, this is my opinion, but I think this is like the Coen Brothers Schindler's List, where it's, I think it's their best made film, but it's not my favorite of their filmography. Mm. Uh, and I, uh, and I just, I just, it's interesting seeing them do a straight drama because that's really nothing. They don't, they've, they didn't do that before, and they really haven't done it since. And uh, I don't know. I just, I think everyone gives a really good performance in it. I think it's the best western of the year. Uh, and yeah, I think it's just. That there's that one shot of it's in the motel when Javier Bardem blows that guy's arm off, 
and the arm just explodes like in a way that I've not seen done ever uh, and it's just it's like that's the one shot that, of this film that's really stuck with me is that just that arm <laughs> kind of breaking in half and then expanding mm-hmm. uh, but I just love it yeah, yeah that's my, that, this is my number two nice I'll talk about it later <laughs> oh Brad uh, so my number two is a repeat about class warfare my number two is Ratatouille. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I really swept a leg there. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's. I've told this story many times of how like it came out around my birthday, and we we're like, oh, we have to go see Ratatouille, mm-hmm. I guess, because we already saw Die Hard like twice. <laughs> um, and then you know, I watch. I'm like, why? Did, why was I? Not why do you always doubt this? Pixar? Yeah, like even their new one, Coco. I'm like, oh no, but I'm sure I know, great. but I know, it's, it's gonna, gonna make gonna, you it's cry. Gonna be great. Yeah, <laughs> fifteen times probably. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, it's it's a delightful movie. The animation is spectacular, especially the the finale. Um, and yeah, like it has this level of here's this peasant trying to exist in this elite world, mm-hmm. and the way he gets the upper hand is to make the most peasant food mm-hmm. imaginable and totally turns the most elite guy uh, to his side. Yeah. It's just great storytelling. So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Patton Oswalt does a great job. Oh as, yeah. Mm-hmm. That character. Agreed. Yeah. Way to be brief. Yeah, I know. You guys already talked a bunch of it. So <laughs> I don't need to go into it. James, um, I think we have the same number two. Oh, I'm sure we do. Uh, fuck you, Zach. My number two is Zodiac. Dear Editor. This is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek. Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Glenda said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What are you doing at a gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of Boy Scout? Eagle Scout, actually. First class. Well, I've been thinking. Oh, God, Sam, listen. There's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military blueprints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Dave, you made a mistake! Get away from the window. Paul, are you okay? No. Why'd you do it? You put your face out there for him to see. Hello? Who is this? Zodiac was my job. It's not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac speaking. I have a gun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Do you always go around helping people in the night? I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was... I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? 
Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had to hit you back. Whatever, uh, you always be wrong all you want. It doesn't <laughs> fucking matter to me. Uh, yeah. Zodiac is a a movie that I think the first time I saw it in theaters, I, I remember like walking out of it and knowing that it was good, not knowing how great it was, but also knowing that I didn't understand why anyone else would like this movie, just because it is very slow and not about what you think it's like it's not really about the zodiac it's actually about jake gyllenhaal's obsession with mm. this this uh series of murders and what he goes through to try and solve them and and also you know this breakdown in justice of of all these different people who have all these different pieces and because of the time i mean it's hardly their fault but because of the time no one's communicating and so no one can put all the pieces together in a timely enough fashion to really figure this out um which I think is especially I'm I'm watching through Mindhunter right now, which is you know at a similar time, um, and that idea that like part of why there's so many of these famous serial killers at the time may just be because you know a lot of this this detective work was you know nascent and and watching that sort of come together in the film was great. What, what I love so. about the film is uh, my number two too, by the way, yeah. um, is. It's a horror film that's not a typical horror film. It's a horror film about paranoia. Yeah. Because that's the scary part is you don't know when the next attack's going to come. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's a modern, well, 70s style Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. You're getting taunted by a guy. You have a guy who's obsessed because he thinks he's smarter and he can figure out everything about him. You have another <laughs> reporter who becomes who's his own... Worst enemy. Worst enemy is himself. Yeah. And that's the Robert Downey Jr. character. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just a really well done film. It's it's my favorite Fincher film. Um I uh yeah, I, I think he I think he's really subtle in his the how he directs it. Mm-hmm. Um because there's the I mean the scene of the two kids uh by the side of the lake is pretty scary, but it's oh, really it's terrifying. I mean he doesn't like make it flashy. Oh no! It's like this is what happened. It's part of what is so good and well. terrifying. I mean, mm-hmm. I would say it's probably. I'm not sure it's my favorite Fincher film storytelling wise. Visually, it definitely is. Like his his camera work in this movie is the best he's ever been. Um, and I think his ability, like the way he builds tension, um, especially like in that sequence, the the hunter sequence, mm. or the, the taxi sequence. Like it's a, such a bizarre shot, but it's such a memorable shot, and it's a it's all CG mm-hmm. where he's following the taxi from an aerial view, and the whole world moves around the taxi mm-hmm. uh, as it as it like turns right, and you're following this taxi until the Zodiac shoots the driver, um, and like <laughs> little things like that where he builds tension in this incredible way, just with where he puts the camera, um, and yeah, the the scene by the lake is. And it's, one it's, of the most disturbing sequences this year. And how can you, you know, it's one of those things where how do you make a story where people know what happens to, that they know the circumstances of it. How do yeah. you make it compelling? Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody across the board is great. Ruffalo, Downey Jr. Yeah. Hall. You know, I mean. John he loses, Carroll Lynch. Yeah. Yeah, I John mean, Carroll Lynch. Yeah. Because, you know, that's it's also a red herring throughout the film because they're saying, oh, is it this guy? Right. But they never answer because they don't know. Right. And I think it just the obsession of it because Jill Hall loses his family because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Chloe Savini. Like, yeah. Another, yeah. Like, She's good. Yeah. 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 yeah those, those creepy sequences in that in that middle part where, like, the sort of copycat guy is calling into Brian Cox mm-hmm. on the 
uh, on the TV show, and like there's the terrible calls to to Jake Gyllenhaal's house, yeah. mm-hmm. and you don't even necessarily know if it's really the Zodiac exactly. or not, right? Like it could be anyone, and just that that level of you're right, that level of paranoia in San Francisco at the time, um, it's it's just wonderful, yeah. Because so. you never know who's talking, and I think it, that that's where Fincher's so strong is because visually, you're right. He tells a story, and he tells it in ways that it's dark. You don't know what's in the corner. The paranoia seeps through every frame of the film. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, the most terrifying moment in the in the movie is the other copycat, where the woman and her and her child are in the car, and the guy's just like, "Hey, I'm gonna throw your baby out of the car before yeah. I kill you." That sequence is just so like that's actually the one that walking out of the theater made me the most scared for yeah. myself, mm-hmm. right? Because here's this moment that, especially by the end, you realize like whoever that guy was, probably not the Zodiac, just another crazy person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and that was so disturbing and makes you just fear for yourself anytime you're not in your own house with all the doors locked and a knife, yeah, you know. It's great. Yeah, just a really well done film. And again, I love this film too because it's starting Robert Downey Jr.'s like return mm-hmm. uh, because it just showcases he's a great actor. And if he doesn't hurt himself through abuse of drugs or alcohol, like he gives performances that are amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this, I mean, is where he started because I think his next movie was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he really owned the part it's not a big part no. but he's in there enough like yeah that's the guy i want to see because it, like i've seen all his movies so after you know he starts really abusing the drugs you can see his performances are good but not anywhere near where they need to be yeah because he's distracted but this is where he turned the corner mm-hmm. and i mean what he is today yeah Probably because he's able to uh incorporate his demons into the performance in a responsible manner i i, I do want to just say that like I as much as I do love this movie because of the scary bits, the truth is it's just a great mystery film mm-hmm. on its own. Um, and and watching Gyllenhaal try to put all these pieces mm-hmm. together uh, is is the real reason you're there. Oh like, yeah, that's the thing that keeps you going. Because it's like I said, it's a modern day Jack the Ripper. You want and and what makes it too so fascinating is you want to know who did it. Yeah, you want that satisfaction conclusion, but you're never going to get it. Right. I'm sure the Zodiac Killer is fucking dead now, but oh yeah, you know it's. You'll never get it. You'll never get it. It's just like, you know, Jack the Ripper. They never know who it is. The fascination behind the case is, is what really drives the force behind it because you're right. Who do you, it's so random. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, those are the hardest crimes to solve. Yeah. I mean, if there's no motive, your motive is just you just want to kill people. Right. <coughs> that's tough to figure out who's going to do that. Uh-huh. So, yep. That's why Zodiac is the number two film of the year. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Zach, what's your number one film? The Reaping, starring Hilary Swank. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, nicely done. Mm-hmm. No, um, it's Zodiac. Um, I'm really not gonna. I'm not. I, no, actually, I'm not gonna. I, I actually talked about it two weeks ago you because did. of Corinne's question. I will add on to it though that sadly, this film was shittily marketed. <laughs> This was like the worst marketing ever. When Smodcast first started coming out this year of 2007, one of the earliest episodes talks about how this film and Black Snake Moan got completely ignored in favor of fucking wild hogs, which makes me want to like set things on fire. Um, um, 
it's not a good movie. Black Snake Moan, really good. Oh, no, no. Black Snake Moan is good. Yeah. yeah. Wild Hogs is garbage. Yeah. You better um, watch what you say there. <laughs> uh, Henry's number one, Wild Hogs. Uh, I, if it is, I'm, I'm going to be shocked. But anyway, um, and so, like, because it's weird, because the next year we get Benjamin Button, and that's when Fincher starts getting the awards attention, quote unquote. It Which is weird, because that's then. his worst film in my mind. Uh, well, me too. Again, one of the reasons the Oscars suck is because they don't recognize it when it's really there. Right. They they pay attention to the fall and winter. Do you get like tons of attention for seven? Uh, yeah. The screenplay and that's when he started getting budgets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But so like, and this film comes out in I mean, Zodiac comes out in February. Like at, at the time was a dead month. Yeah. And so like I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it. Months later, when it finally got released on DVD and its theatrical cut, because mm. my thing was I would take my paycheck that I earned at the theater and spend it all at the blockbuster across the street on previously used DVDs and any new DVDs that were coming out. Yep. And this was one of them, and I remember seeing it on my portable DVD player for the first time uh, like one evening after work and couldn't go to sleep afterward. And I kept watching it again and again, and then the director's came out, cut came out, and I watched that again and again and again. Um, and I think it was actually Dave Klein, who I was working with that summer, who said, you need to watch Zodiac. Because mm. um, we talked about Seven also, which I hadn't seen at that point. And then I saw it that same summer. Uh, he got me into Fincher. Z- Zodiac is the movie I wish people would see when they say they love Seven. Not saying that Seven's a bad movie. Yeah. But seven's like the the glossy version. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the Hollywood version. Se- seven is to Zodiac like Saw is to Seven. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, harsh, and um, okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, I this film this film still entrances me. It, it gets me hooked. Anytime I see it on Netflix, I'll pop it on. Um, uh-huh. if, if I've got the Blu-ray handy, which I do, like, but if I if it's near me. I'll pop it on. Um, I got so into the Zodiac case after this movie. Like I read Rick Graysmith's books. I read other books by other people. Books on how to kill people. <laughs> how, to, how to find a Zodiac watch. I, I, that turned out to be eBay. Um, <laughs> I made a book out of skin. You know, the basics. Bound by flesh. Um, Necronomicon. I started calling myself Ash. Um, I don't know how it de- deviated this way. Um, Necronomicon, ex mortis. But like, so like when you know stuff about that case – it makes it's weird it turns the film into like a dual purpose where like Arthur Lee Allen like as a as a subject matter is important because of how many people thought he was the zodiac if you watch it without the context of the case and going in blank it Allen represents something much stronger which is the fact that no one knows what's going on any at any point in time really mm-hmm. even when you think Hall knows what's going on he really doesn't this film one of the greatest things about this film is that it, it handles misinformation and like the lack of mm-hmm. communication between departments and counties in such an entertaining fashion yeah like that not in the way of like we're gonna make fun of law enforcement it, it points out a fact that existed at the time which yeah, is well, like it still exists he, he, he the communication is a I mean I don't want to put you in a position to like. Oh no no you know. no no no! I'm just saying it's you're in a a profession where you have lots of people with lots of opinions, mm-hmm. yeah. trying to reach the common goal, and not everything's communicated. Right. Yeah. And um and I will always maintain that final scene in the film is a great 
summary of everything that occurs Mm -hmm. because like it's that last line with um uh doyle mcpoyle um (laughs) every time i see him yeah Um, he's just doyle mcpoyle that's all i know um is when he says like last time i saw this face was in 1963 i'm fairly sure that that's the man who shot me um and it ending with hurdy-gurdy man like I, i i I get chills when I watch the film. It was very important to the making of the film, The Boy Who Stares, that I shot um, a couple of years ago. Um, it was like it was the film I gave to the actors and said, like, I want you to watch the expressions on their face, and I want you to try to grab something for that when you're not talking on 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 screen. I want you to try to grab for that that level of introspection. So, um, didn't really work with Spencer Kane because he didn't listen to me, but whatever. <laughs> He still did a good job. Actors don't. I know. But anyway, Zodiac, number one. Yeah. Henry? Uh, my number one is probably my favorite, favorite comedy of all time. It might not be number one, but it's definitely in the top five. Uh, my number one is Hot Fuzz. Uh, it's uh, Cool. Yeah. I just, I it's think, my number one, too, Henry. Oh. I'm glad w- another one of us is sane. Um, totally. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Hot Fuzz is just, I don't know, I can watch this film endlessly and still laugh, which is saying a lot for comedies, because, like, a punchline's a punchline, uh, but, yeah, I just, I, I genuinely really love this film to a point where, I don't know, it's my favorite Edgar Wright film, and also, one thing I've always said is that Edgar Wright, your favorite Edgar Wright film kind of depends on what genre is your favorite, uh, and uh, yeah, action fair. films are one of my favorite genres. And so, obviously, I'm going to like Hot Fuzz a lot. Uh, I just love it a lot. I, The opening is one of my favorite openings to any film ever. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ryan, do you have more you want? We've talked about this film a lot, this podcast. But, Ryan, do you have anything more? Uh, no, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. I, It's it's my favorite film of the year. I, it's actually not my favorite Edgar Wright film. Shaun of the Dead is still my favorite. But um, it, it's really close because... He is so clever. Of I, I think why the punchlines always work in Edgar Wright films is he sets up them so far in advance, and then there's usually a payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Hot Fuzz, it's the, the slow unraveling of the mystery, and you know Nick Frost eventually siding with uh, Nick Angel, um, and you know I, I I love the part where they're you know fighting Derp and the the grocery store yarp yeah um and uh he says yeah but you know i I did tell him i was fighting i hit him with uh piece of ice cream i told him to chill out you know stuff like that is um great and it still works every time you watch it oh cool off yeah yeah cool cool off yeah (laughs) you were off the fucking chain um (laughs) you know because he i mean he even sets it up he tells you when he uh when they invite him over to watch movies he tells you, don't you like this scene from this movie? Don't you like this scene from this movie? And then the climax of Hot Fuzz, he recreates all those scenes. Yeah. And all really well. Whereas it's the heroic shot from Bad Boys 2, whether it's him shooting up in the air from Point uh, Break. Point Break. I was going to say, that movie deserves to be like on people's top ten lists just because of its association with Point Break. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, jumping and shooting two guns at once. Yeah. Uh, riding into town on a horse. I mean... <sighs> Drop kicking an old lady. It's great. I love when they're talking at dinner um, about like why he wanted to be a policeman, and Nick Frost's um, answer to his shame. I thought you would have been a great Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> when, you're, when you're in police academy, did you do the jumping with the two guns? <laughs> Fucking a. 
Uh, well, no, I mean, it's kind of stupid because if you accidentally jump and you shoot, you're going to shoot yourself with your <laughs> whatever arms behind you. Um, but this, the soundtrack to this film, too. Is oh, yeah, no, I, I love the soundtrack. Um, oh, I remember walking through the hall in high school, listening to that, thinking like, I, I, I know I'm not a badass, but this is making me feel like one. Yep. I, I always have that. Police Constable Nicholas Angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Robert uh, Robert Rodriguez did a piece of music for the film too, mm. um, like Avenging Angel or something like that. I can't remember the title track, but I mean, there's even funny parts where uh, he goes in to talk to or break up with his girlfriend, and it's all the CSI people look the same. It's Kate Blanchett too, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, just funny stuff. Uh, like in the background, like all the people that she's referring to are going like, yeah. Good stuff. It's great. Oh boy. Great movie. It's Dave. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say. So. All right. Cool. Brad? My number one is another repeat. It's super bad. Nice. Ah. Nice. So, yeah. this. Uh, I really killed your list. I'm the worst. I'll get you at Explosion 2017. Oh, <laughs> um, actually, I probably will. Um, <laughs> Ooh, unintentionally. Um, yeah, this movie speaks to me on so many levels. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, I love seeing two outcast guys um, trying to. I'm so jealous. That be you gotta cool suck on and those not. Tits. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous. You got to suck your dad's dick. So <laughs> yeah, it reminds me. You're right. It reminds me of how we talked. Yeah. You know, it's that, <laughs> that's why I think this movie's so great. Uh, that like uh. I think the generation before us always talks about clerks being like the movie that mm. was their friends and mm. they hadn't seen that represented before. And, yeah. Um, I mean, to some extent that's us too, mm. but uh, super bad was more of our time and uh, yeah, just really raunchy and just had that perspective of, you know, losers in high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe it's cause me and you were losers in yeah. high school. <laughs> so yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're way filthier than we were. But, yeah. Um, yes, and three quarters of a hand job, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the trailer, like, for me, it felt like I did not know. I didn't know what the film was, like, really, like, the story was. I just knew the title and then them playing Panama in the trailer. Yeah, and I also remember it was, like, it was them just really enough. selling the McLovin thing. Yeah, it, it, was, it was. I am McLovin. It, it was enough to get me, like, excited for it, and then you watch the film, and it's even greater than yeah. anything they could have sold you on. The title's super bad. Like, I, I, until I saw the movie, I was like, well, what does super mad mean? Like, that's kind of like, is it have something to do with the film? And then the movie ends, and I'm like, well, they're just, <laughs> this. all this film is, like, Terrible things are going on here, but like it's all right because it's funny as shit, mm-hmm. and it ends with a mirage of penis drawings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we're drawing this really those baby are the, triumphant one. <laughs> those are probably some of the best end credits I've ever seen. <laughs> I just love. Uh, I have this thing. Don't freak out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I, I love Jonah Hill's facial expressions at that part because he's. I forget. He's like oh, that fucking bitch. He's like, I'm getting really pissed off. I was like. What? What? <laughs> that what? part where they're like slow motion walking and yeah. they see McLovin with the vest and then Jonah Hill's face is like, what the fuck? Yeah. He looks like fucking Pinocchio. <laughs> Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin. Uh, um, oh, I need to watch that movie When tonight. Jonah can't yeah. steal the liquor and he comes out and uh, Chris, Chris uh, McLovin has that great line of like, where'd you hide the liquor, Danny Ocean, up your butt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, all all his dreams of what happened oh, in the yeah. liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> Put it back, son. I never had a choice. <laughs> I what he says. Yeah, I need to watch that movie again. Yeah, yeah. 
That's really good. He's so fucking fast. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Sarah singing these eyes. Boy alive. <laughs> these eyes are crying moment is. Yeah. And when you hear them talking about that moment um, on the commentary, it's even funnier. So, but yeah. And their love of Joel or Trulia. <laughs> Who at the time we didn't. I mean, unless you watched The State, you didn't really know. Or Wet Hot American Summer, Joel Trulia was not a, a known name at all. Yeah. Yep. So. Cool. Get on those guys. It's a good one. James? Uh, yeah. My number one is No Country for Old Men. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll agree with most of what Zach said. He said a lot. Um, so I have long been of the opinion that this movie generally gets completely misinterpreted um a lot of people think of it as a really nihilistic film about how like there's chaos and violence and evil in the world and the world is just generally getting worse and i think the movie is very clearly not saying that mm-hmm. um i think that this is one where uh much like zodiac but even more when this movie f- ended i just sat in the theater watching those credits roll and was affected like i just had to yeah like i it's one of those times that i've used this before where the movie was over and i feel like somebody like smashed me over the head with a television um it's uh and and it took me years to really like dissect and think about and the fact that i continue to think about that movie as much as i do is a testament to how how interesting and deep i think it is um yeah I, i think the it bothers me at first and then now as i go back and rewatch it the the fact that your your hero dies suddenly off screen in this film like you've been invested in this guy and everybody keeps telling him that you know if he keeps trying to do this he's going to die he's going to die like he can't do what he's doing and you know we're so trained by modern films to just expect like oh well no he's look how smart he is he's going to totally outwit this guy and the the villain that we aren't in, in, invested in in any way kills him completely off screen. Like, everyone is right because, you know, we think Anton Sugar is the thing to be afraid of and the Mexican cartel just shows up at his hotel and, and slaughters him in the doorway. And, like, it's very unceremonious. Um, and so the only thing you have left is sort of the thing you started with, which is Tommy Lee Jones' interpretation of his world and, and this idea that, you know... He's becoming an old man and like, you know, oh, yeah, you used to just not be able to not have to carry a gun because things were so like tame and there wasn't that much violence. And then everything he's told in the last like 15 minutes of the film is the exact opposite of that. And the truth is that what the movie is saying is that despite the fact that there is, you know, chaos and evil in the world, like there is something working for good and generally things are actually getting better um, and that there is this sort of glimmer of hope at the end. Um, I think it's really a beautiful, haunting, and really fun film because the whole time you're following uh, Josh Brolin, I think it's a really yeah. exciting film. So mm-hmm. um, I, that sequence when he jumps out of the window from the hotel, like the scene from the hotel all the way down that street with the with the um, with the truck and all of that is one of the most exciting sequences of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, like such a pleasure to watch. In the in on the big screen and and still even today, um, yeah, I I adore this movie and um, hard for me to say like what my favorite Coen Brothers film is. It's probably Fargo, um, but this is certainly certainly up there. And yeah, I I can see your argument, Henry. That like it's the 
it's like their Schindler's List, where this is a movie with very little fun. Um, but I mean, the scene in the convenience store is a masterclass sequence mm-hmm. uh, that is such great tension building um, and really good acting, and a scene that doesn't need to be in the movie. Like it's just there to to crank up the tension through this film. Don't put um, it in your pocket. Yeah. A 20 is your life. It's not just a tr- well, quarter, mm. which it is. Mm-hmm. You're like, what the fuck? This guy's so crazy. Uh, great performance. Fantastic script. Do you like my Dorothy Hamill haircut? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's my number one. Uh, yeah. We already talked about my number one, Hot Fuzz. Talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Henry have the best taste, of course. What? Of course, as always. Um, as always. This is insane. Um, so that was Film Explosion 2007. Yeah. Good year for films. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. Very strong. Very strong. Any um, that you wanted to get on the list but didn't? Uh, I mean, I was close on uh, My Name is Bruce just because I love Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. and he wrote and directed it. Um, I'm kind no of genuinely country. surprised that uh, you guys didn't – none of you put Shoot 'em Up as a uh, like stinger. Well, oh, I mean, was... he does kill a dude with a banana. <laughs> or a carrot. Oh, a carrot. You're right. A carrot. carrot. Yeah. That movie's good. I was kind of hoping that I didn't have to put Diving Bell and the Butterfly on my list because I figured, well, Henry will do that for me, <laughs> and then you didn't. Um, Sorry, I, I totally forgot that I was going to pretend that Walk Hard was my number one. I know, me too. I totally forgot too. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> oh, you mean Suck Hard, the shitty cock story? Yeah, what a piece uh, of shit. I used to mm-hmm. love getting that joke in there every time I talk about it. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, <laughs> I tried to get there's a there's a film that I saw um, that year. And it didn't get a wide release, but it was called Waitress with Carrie Russell. Oh, yeah. And it was Adrienne Shelley. Um, she, she was a great filmmaker. Unfortunately, she was murdered, like, the year before the film was released mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, in a terrible case. But, like, Waitress, I remember loving the shit out of that film. And um, uh, Andy Griffith's in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just a cantankerous old man who loves pie. Nathan, Nathan Fillion, right? Nathan Fillion's in it, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Jeremy Sisto from Things. Yeah. I wanted to show a, a little bit musical. of love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I wanted to show a little bit of love for Mr. Brooks because that was, that's like a really weird little movie that you wouldn't expect Kevin Costner to make. And I also like the fact that Dane Cook gets killed with a shovel. Well, you know what I don't <laughs> like about that uh, movie is the scene where Mr. Brooks shows up in his room. Yeah. And then, Dane, and then he leaves and Dane Cook's like, Mr. Brooks? <laughs> Mr. Brooks? Oh, yeah. it's like the worst acting ever and I can't. Yeah, I know, but I it, it's okay because he gets killed with a shovel. Mm-hmm. It's great. I like Michael Clayton a lot. And I really oh, yeah. wanted to find a place for it because I love George Clooney's final line in the movie, which is a callback line. Um, and then, yeah, like it was a good year. Oh, I'm, I like Rob Zombie's Halloween, but I was never going to put that on a top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have a. The, it's a the, hard one. The problem I have is I think actually Rob Zombie makes a cool film, but I don't like when. I think Michael Myers is scarier when he doesn't have a backstory, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. not his backstory is told where he kills his sister. But this one spends 45 minutes like, oh, it's a child psychology why. film. Yeah. And yeah. then it's a slasher. film. Yeah. It's two different films. It is. And it's not bad. Uh, my wife loves it. I think it's a I think it's a good remake, I think, or reimagining whatever you mm, whatever whatever terminology you want to use. Um, and I love Malcolm McDowell in that one. I don't like him in H2. Um, the, I will say, though. The version I saw in the theaters is not the one I own because I own the unrated cut, but the version that I saw in the theater had Bill Mosley cameo and all that stuff. Yeah, so, so it's so that that's a really weird actually I was just messing around on Amazon because there's a Mill Creek, I think, double feature of Halloween and Halloween two, the Rob Zombie ones that are mm-hmm. theatrical cuts. Hmm. So the yeah. Halloween two doesn't exist on Blu ray for theatrical or in this Scream Factory. I have like 
the super duper limited edition one. They don't even put the theatrical cut in that. With um, Weird. with with H two, that's not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion. Well, see, I think I think actually theatrical. If I I can't remember, that's why I need to buy it. The theatrical cut had less involvement on Lori's end. The the the, the director's cut to me talks a lot more about how Laurie is coping with everything. Like yeah. in, in, in my opinion, it's a great example of how to shoot someone who's got PTSD in a film. Sure. But again, with the caveat that it's Rob Zombie and it's a horror movie and it's got a lot, it's got a lot of things padding that, but like at the surface, it's a good PTSD. I give him credit for doing story. something different. But, yeah. Uh, the, the white horse is still really whatever it's going to be. But again, my, my biggest problem with Rob Zombie always is he always has women talk like they're redneck, like hillbillies mm-hmm. and it doesn't sound natural at all to me. I think that's his biggest weakness as a writer and too, and I've said this before, he'll do horrible things to all other women, but his wife. So I think that's a really glaring issue in his films. Uh, in Halloween, just as an example, so his wife plays uh, uh, Michael Myers' mother, mm-hmm. and she kills herself off screen by shooting herself. Mm-hmm. But he'll show to Dan- the song "Only Lo- Women Bleed." By yeah, the way. Um, Danielle Harris gets accosted n- nude and chased and blooded, like hit constantly. Um, it was uncomfortable as fuck to watch that in the theater, and that's what I mean. So he'll, and then in uh, the Lords of Salem, same thing. He'll do horrible things to Meg Foster, whoever, and then um, Sherry, Sherry's Moon Zombie. He'll be like, oh well, we'll just hands off. We'll we'll show her butt in this scene, but I will show someone else totally nude getting destroyed. I, I have a big issue with that. I could have found a place for that first Halloween though at number ten. Because the scene with uh, Spy Kid and Young Michael mm. is absolutely terrifying, yeah. in my opinion. Like it was like when you hear Daryl Sabara pleading for his life, mm-hmm. I, it, and the and the blood's black and everything. Like it's just the way it was colored. Like it, it was off putting. Yeah, so. I mean, he, it's he he makes his movies. Yeah. I thought the Reno 9-11 Miami movie was funny. Okay. <laughs> What's that thing we always quoted from Patton Oswalt in that movie? Oh, shit. Fuck. I have to see it again. I, like, yeah, he runs away, and then they have a like, conversation, and he comes back, and he's like, huh, I'm not dead or something. I yeah. forget. Well, they have uh, Best Buy on DVD, the complete Night Reno 911 series, for like 20 bucks. I'm like, that's kind of worth it. Because, <laughs> Is that the movie in it? Uh, no. Yeah. Maybe it does. I don't know. I've never really like, examined it, but it's, it's, it might be enough for me to buy it, because I also like funny. Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Me too. Yeah. I that movie's decent. Badass. This is a film that was never going to make the list, but it was notable. Um, my friend who I went to see all those movies with dragged me to Pathfinder. Hmm. Does anybody Mark remember business. Pathfinder? Yeah, I, I remember Pathfinder. Okay. So, like, it was garbage. Yeah. I tried weird. rewatching it last year to be like, well, how bad can it really be? And it's still garbage. I like the director. Yeah. yeah so. Wait, so if, if Paul W. Sanderson wasn't making Resident Evil films or AVP films, what was he doing that uh, year? Death Race. Oh, was this the Death Race? No, no. Death Race was the next no. year. No, it was the next year. He's prepping for Death Race. You know how hard oh, okay. it is for him to you prep have for to those prep racing? for the amazingness that is Death Race. I actually do love that. No, movie. movie's pretty <laughs> Henry, did you say what you didn't get on? Uh, Lars and the Real Girl, Knocked Up, uh, oh, yeah. Wreck, uh, Eastern Promises. So. Love Eastern Promises. Ooh, Eastern yeah. Promises. Yeah, that's about it, though. Vigo Mortensen, Hanging Brain. Enchanted. Oh, movie. I would have tried to get Enchanted. Enchanted. Oh, I love yeah, Enchanted. Enchanted. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, Strong gear, yeah. Mister mm-hmm. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, <laughs> mm, the number no twenty-three. I, I would have done it just for the title because mm. I've never seen the standee, and I'm like, that is the dumbest <laughs> title I've ever seen. 
Henry, thanks for joining us via yeah. Skype. Yeah. Depending on how hard this is for Brad to edit, maybe we'll do it again. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you probably you could technically just come on every week if, if this works out right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to keep staying up until like one o'clock in the morning your time. It's only midnight. <laughs> uh, next week. We're not done yet, buddy. We're seeing Jigsaw. James won't be here because he's a pussy. Yeah, I'm going to go anywhere else. Um, so uh, we'll play a game. <laughs> game of Death. <laughs> Can we watch Game of Death? Whatever you want, James. Game of Death is probably uh, So better. thank you for listening. Um, appreciate it. Until next week. Bye. 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 Sick my balls. <laughs> Bye, Henry. Real Nerds Podcast is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. The Real Nerds would like to thank the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now open in Sloan's Lake. We also would like to thank Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, especially Andrew. Our music has been brought to you by Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios. And of course, thanks to James's mother, our most loyal listener. Have a nice day. Real Nerds Podcast is a partner of Denver Podcast Network in the shadow of the mountain. We speak. speak.